You never answered my question. How'd you end up here? It's complicated. What are you after? Maybe to keep you both out of trouble. Hmm. So tell me, you ever thought you might be the trouble? Ahsoka. You got any skills? Yeah, I've got a trick or two. We'll find out soon enough. Where did you learn to fight like that? It's better if you don't know. But since I'm here, might as well do some good. In my life, when people need you, you help them. No matter what. Execute them all. If I go down this path, I'm afraid where it might lead. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. And we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com and also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play, and our friends at StarWarsUnderworld.com. We have yet another stellar, amazing, awesome, terrific episode of the IPC Podcast for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking more Clone Wars. As some of you should know, the new season is continuing along. we got Season 7, the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars is upon us. We're more than halfway through now. And we are at the next four episodes, the Ahsoka's Walkabout Art. I don't know. I don't even know what this arc is actually called, but it's the Ahsoka and the two other girls that some people <laughs> find really annoying. Oh dear God! I thought of a name, but I think it's the Whiskey Talking. I don't know if I should say it. Don't please, because I don't want to have to edit this out. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. Do you really? I think I do. We'll talk about it later. Um, we're not going to talk about it right now. No, we're not going there. We might get to it later, because who knows? It's going to be later by the time we actually get to the Clone Wars discussion, and things could get interesting. Let's just put it that way. And uh, also, we're going to have a little top five segment off the top of the show, which should be a heck of a lot of fun. Stick around for that. we got some submissions from our patrons and peacekeepers to share with you guys, as well as our own. But uh, before we get into that, of course, introductions are in order. Um, you already hear him in the background um, trying to keep himself from saying something possibly very inappropriate and would get us canceled. Um, it is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Uh, that's why I sent it to you in a private message to uh, have you screen it because it's probably my drink that's talking, so I probably shouldn't be saying yep. that. Yep, yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you let so, y'all just imagination just take off with that one. Just take <laughs> off. 
Oh, hey, everybody. How you doing? It's good to be here. And yes, I have had a little bit to drink, so uh, my my lips are going to be a little looser tonight. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's not. But it should be a lot of fun. There's people in the chat here on chill1138.com um, asking me for the name. Uh, I'm probably not going to say it there, but you, if you're friends with me on Facebook, go ahead and private message me. Maybe I'll send it to you privately. Um, but we're, we're naming drinks in the chat. We're doing top five lists. We're talking the Clone Wars, which was like the TV show that brought IPC together in the first oh, place. Yeah. And so this should be a really fun night. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to, talk about all that we've got to talk about tonight absolutely yeah and yeah clone wars you know it's been interesting to say the least we'll we'll get into it later i think there's a lot of differing opinions on where this is going but the episode that came out today i think was pretty interesting and uh left some left some doors open that i think we're going to be getting some really interesting stuff in the future and in four weeks we will be discussing the Siege of Mandalore um, in its entirety when it comes out, but for right now, we're going to be discussing the Ahsoka arc. But before we get into that, as I said, a top five segment. We haven't done one of these in a little while. It's been long overdue, and uh, this week, we will be covering something. Now, now you may be wondering, well, where's the, the top five prompt, the public one where I can send it? Just chill out. This is for just for our patrons and our peacekeepers we put it to them occasionally when you're in that group or you pay into the system you can get these prompts and stuff like that that's the plus of being a peacekeeper or a patron um so those guys have given us their lists and we're gonna have our own lists and our good friend jake damon who could not be with us this evening because he's kind of under the weather um he's also going to be sending in his list and uh so what we're gonna be talking tonight about is our top five shows to binge during quarantine now we're, we're all in the middle of this now we're all quarantined we're all stuck in our houses we can't go anywhere um, unless you're an essential worker like i am um and yep. and, and, and like Present. zach is yeah so uh if you're an essential worker you you're, you're not really in this but at the same time you kind of are um because i wish i was stuck at home someday especially today um we'll mm-hmm. get into that later but uh so for those of you who are stuck at home, you need stuff to watch. And so we're going to share some recommendations with each other and uh, talk about some shows that we are going to recommend you watch during quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was interesting because our, our peacekeeper friend Robin wrote us and said, what's the distinction between that and our favorite TV shows? And that was actually tough because I was like, you know what? That's a good question. I I'm not. It's it's hard to distinguish those two, um, um, but you know, part of it involves uh, shows that you might recommend to somebody when they've got more time on their hands, you know, or or something that you want them to watch all the way through, really really quickly, you know, um, right. and and so you know there there are some shows that maybe you let it drag out a little bit and it's kind of serialized and you're just kind of enjoying it for what it is when it's happening. But then there are some others where you're like, you need to watch this right now. And people are like, I can't, I don't have the time. I got to work that kind of thing. Well, you don't really have that excuse right now. So get on these 10, 12, sometimes 15 seasons of television that people are recommending, you know, uh, right now is as good a time as any to get onto stuff like that, and so that's part of what we're going to try and cover is maybe not necessarily just your favorite shows, 
but the shows that you recommend people watch because they have the time to watch it now. Right. And I think it's under different circumstances. And even if we were doing like, you know, top five shows again, I feel like that stuff is always in flux. Like, you know, if I was to do a top five show, it would be different now probably because I've seen new shows since the last time we did that show. And, you know, stuff stuff changes, opinions change. and uh, But also just the, the whole circumstances of, you know, maybe you want a longer show. Maybe you want something that's a bit more in-depth, something that you really can sit with. The Clone Wars, for example. I know it's going to be on several people's lists. It might even be on some of our lists. It's a yep. show that I think is better when it's binged because you're not week to week, you know, complaining about this episode's filler. You just watch it and you, you spend an hour, you watch a whole arc and you get a full story. And, you know, that's that's the whole thing. So I think uh, I think some, we're going to get some interesting cha- interesting uh, submissions tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll all come away with some some good representations of what we might want to watch over the next little while because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. Uh, not according to a lot of the info that I've been getting. Uh, I was talking to our friend Sean from Phantom Empire on Wednesday, and he says that a lot of events in the Toronto area, as far as gatherings of people are concerned, have been canceled all the way through early July. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some talk that it might go into August even in some places. Um, There's a lot of talk about sporting events not being able to go on for the entire summer, possibly not until September. So, I mean, this is this is definitely hitting us pretty hard and pretty long term. So strap yourselves in, guys. All you've got at your disposal right now is TV shows. And we're about to lay a whole bunch of recommendations on you. Some of them good. Some of them I would critique just a little bit. But I (laughs) I get it. But I'm actually really kind of specific about uh, my recommendations. I don't know how specific you got, Ben, but like I actually have certain criterion for what shows I'm recommending and why. But we'll get to that. Um, completely honest here, I haven't made my list yet, so that's gonna what I'm gonna be doing for the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a little bit of time. I was working on mine on the road today. Like I was thinking, okay, uh, what falls into this category? Oh yeah, and then maybe oh yeah, and I just wrote them out, and then I had like like four out of my five and I had like the number four spot still open and I was sitting on that one for like a half hour going okay what do I want to put in this number four slot and then like it came to me like a light bulb kind of moment and I was like oh yeah that's a good <laughs> idea like I don't know it just came to me it was like an epiphany it was cool yep yep well getting into the list we may as well jump right in and sure. uh off the top of course top build as always our patrons, and the first one on the list is our good buddy, Joey Mays, and he says, I like to mix it up a bit, you know, keeping it interesting, some old flavors, some I'm still watching for the first time, some I only just started, so uh, number five, he has Criminal Minds, it's new to me, he says, number four, Supernatural, 15 seasons, I'm still working on my way through the first one um, for the first time, and at number three, Star Wars The Clone Wars, just finished my second rewatch, and ready to start season seven. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, number two, Eureka. He says, "Great show. Want to watch this for a second time." And he and he puts uh, something I think you'll approve of, Zach. Friends, number one, 147 times through and counting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was possible for someone to watch that show I any mean, show that many times. I mean, he's probably exaggerating a bit. Um, total. Time to 
watch Friends. Uh, let's see. That's uh, 88.5 hours times how many times? 147. Uh, that's 13,009.5. Wow. 13,009.5 divided by 24. That's 542 days of just watching the TV show Friends all the way through. Wow. I don't know if Joey Mays has actually watched 542 days worth of the TV show Friends. But we're calling I, BS on you, Joey. Fess I, up. I, uh, I, I, I appreciate the effort <laughs> uh, because I, I know that I've seen it at least six or seven times through and almost every time I get something new out of it. So I totally get where he's coming from. Um, fun fact, though, or trivia or spoiler, whatever you want to call it. Friends is not on my list. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I just went there. That I is crazy. Here's here's my here's my reasoning for it is I was talking to Sage about this on Wednesday and he he his discussion with me kind of convinced me um you know should it be something that you watch in a in a binge format or should it be something that you take a break from walk away try something else for a little bit and the more I thought about it the more I realized there are some episodes of friends that get really really heavy and even depressing at times. Mm, yeah. Like, it's not just a comedy. It's got some romance, and it's got some, some fighting and breakups and heartbreak and stuff like that in it. And it can be a tough thing to binge. Like, your emotions will kind of go all over the place. And sometimes it's better to watch it in, in chunks rather than in a binge format. And, and I, I think also, I mean, let's face it here. We're, we're in a trying time for everyone emotionally yep. like we're stretched to our limits and yep. uh it's funny uh past few uh nights uh, every every few nights we'll kind of sit down with my family and you know we'll have we've had some extra time because we're kind of stuck at home and we're like okay like you know what let's, let's watch a movie or whatever we've kind of been going through this weird jim carrey binge where we've gone through several jim carrey movies um and my mom's like I don't want anything. I don't want anything serious. I want it funny. I have to laugh. I'm not doing yeah. enough of that lately. So, like, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we we need you need something to laugh at. You need something that kind of pulls you out of it. Because if it's too real, my God, um, I got enough realness in my own life right now. Exactly, exactly. And the the cool thing about Friends is it can it can have enough like comedy in it that if you're just keeping it on in the background like our friend jd says in the chat here on channel 1138 um if you keep it on in the background eventually you make your way through it and get to some lighter more funny stuff but it can take a little while sometimes because the the, the interesting thing about friends is it's very storyline based it's not one of those things where you just like watch one episode and it's enough and you can just move on because it, sometimes you miss the context of the bigger picture and so it's it's this very fine line between, you know, do I watch the big picture and run the risk of getting upset over what I'm watching or do I just watch a couple episodes, you know, here and there and just gradually work my way through it um, based on the current state of affairs. Sometimes I question whether that is something that 
people should be binging because if you watch the episode where Ross and Rachel, you know, fight and break up and then they have another fight after that because she accuses him of cheating, like that that big central storyline um you know if, if that's something that you end up watching and you're already have you know, like you already had a kind of depressing day or a bad day you're in a weird mood or whatever that's just going to affect your mood even more right so like you run that risk and i love that show joey i'm not knocking your choice by any means it's just not something that i am going to be recommending yeah, that's all yeah yeah all so I. so keep that keep that in mind guys when you're making your list you know yeah. Think think us think lightheartedness because we got enough drama. <laughs> We've got enough drama in our real lives right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there's quite a bit of lightheartedness in this next list from another yeah. one of our patrons, Mr. Dan Grievous. Um, he says at number five he's got the US version of the office. At number four, Modern Family. At number three, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Number uh-huh. two, show that we watched on our previous episode here. We did a Netflix party with this show, Parks and Rec. And at number one, The Clone Wars, he says, the first four I've been watching nonstop for the last several weeks, They because, here we go, because they put me in a great mood and keep me distracted. <laughs> like, I didn't even read that comment, and I went on that tirade, okay? Like, this is, like, we're in sync, buddy. We get it. They keep me distracted, especially The Clone Wars, but The Office I just started binging this week because I was told to and told that it was one of the greats. I... I I agree to some extent. Dan. <laughs> I I like I like The Office for like its two minute video clips that you see on Twitter and stuff like that. The overall storyline is kind of hit and miss for me because mm. in in my opinion, and I'm not going to go on an Office tirade. This is going to be a, a quick hot take before we go to the rest of the Peacekeepers. In my mind, if Toby Flenderson just did his goddamn job. There wouldn't be a show. 90% of the crap that goes on in that show is because human resources doesn't put their foot down. If HR would just tell them not to do that crap and not have those inter-office dating relationships, and if they would just actually tell Michael to shape up or ship out, then there wouldn't be a show. So, like, everything kind of hinges on human resources doing their job. And he doesn't. And all of a sudden, we've got office drama, and we've got romance drama, and, you know, the, the, the workplace, you know, sensitivity training and stuff like that. All because HR doesn't do their job. <laughs> so, I mean, wow. yes, if you like that kind of cringe, by all means. If you want something that's got a little bit more depth to it then maybe The Office isn't for you. But if you're just looking for, like, random funny that's going to bring up your mood, I feel like The Office can definitely do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it helps us have some dumb fun on the exactly. side. Exactly, exactly. Because if you're looking for something that's lighthearted and dumb and easy to watch, easy to uh, binge, but also easy to step away from, then, yeah, The Office is a great choice. It's just not my choice. Yeah. And comedy is very subjective. Yes, so it is. One person's comedy is another person's very boring show that's not funny at all. So I totally get it. I totally get it. And I can't say anything because I haven't seen The Office yet. I'm I'm trying to work my way through Parks and Rec. Like, you <laughs> know. So uh, I'm making progress, but The Office will come eventually. But 
Uh, okay, up next, moving on to the Peacekeepers, we got our buddy, well, some people's buddy, I'm not sure about you anymore, Francisco, Matayana. Um, it's uh, number five, he says, True Detective. Number four, The Outsider. Number three, Family Guy. Again, dumb fun. Uh, mm. Number two, Westworld. That's pretty dark. He says, watching season three as episodes come out and as th there's a new season out right now. And then number one, Batman the Animated Series. Classic. Have you seen the animated series? I have not. I, I, hey, I It's on my list. It's gotta, I, I gotta have just it. got it from Amazon on uh, DVD. So I, that, that is one show that I can start binging now. <laughs> I, I watched it on Amazon Prime probably like two or three years ago and loved it. But it's not available for free on Prime anymore. So I, I just went ahead and bought the whole series on DVD for like 30 or 40 bucks. And now that's kind of my background stuff because Netflix took down Friends. Oh, so no. Batman the Animated Series is kind of my background television, that and Parks and Rec. So I'll be honest, I haven't seen True Detective and I haven't seen The Outsider. So this is the cool part about these recommendations is not only are we going to be giving recommendations, but now we're getting them from people too. So Francisco, appreciate the input, man. I now have something to try myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let me see. What do we got next? We got a, oh, Kenny. We got a list from Kenny. Man, how long has Kenny been listening to this show? Forever. Like, like basically since it started. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was here day one. I, th I don't think he's missed a week. <laughs> I Yeah, pretty much. Like, he's always tuning in. And when we started these top fives, he's always been sending stuff in, too. So, Kenny, we appreciate you, man. Uh, he's got The Clone Wars and Rebels at number five, so I guess it's just Star Wars TV. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Justice League Unlimited at number four. Batman the Animated Series makes another return. He says, love that series, and the HD restoration by Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray disc is so amazing. Awesome. Uh, at number two, he's got Smallville. He says, not every episode from the series, but favorite episodes and moments. That's interesting. Picking and choosing stuff from a series. I, I don't know if I could do that. Um, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then he says, any of the CW, DC Comics, DC TV, Aerovosures shows, excuse me, some of my favorite episodes, uh, especially The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Arrow. It's my other favorite fictional universe besides the Marvel MCU and Star Wars. Dude, DC TV has made a fantastic universe. Oh, yeah. Like, they they peaked with Crisis on Infinite Earths. I was trying to explain it to my parents um, last week, and they just kind of looked at me funny like, wait a second. So you kind of have to watch all of the shows in order to understand what's going on in all of the other shows. And I was like, yes, exactly. And they're like, but that's so much TV. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it truly is like the MCU, but on TV. Like, you... you or you... less... Cause like I'll I'll watch it. I don't watch it all. In fact, I don't watch any of them right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, when I was watching Arrow and stuff like that, like stuff would come up and like, oh, they're referencing this and this, and like, I have no idea what's happening because I didn't watch that, and that's 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 my loss. Mm-hmm. That's that that's true. Uh, I mean, I tried with the Arrow and the Flash for their crossovers. Couldn't get into Legends of Tomorrow. Couldn't really get into Supergirl. I tried, like, the first two or three seasons. Um, but, I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths was a thing of beauty. 
just not going to lie. The the yeah. stuff that they were able to pull off and the way that they pulled it off, it was that that was truly truly fantastic. That was their Avengers um that that was their Avengers Infinity War basically. Basically, yeah, it really it's impressive how they pulled that all together. Just, you know, you can you can think, "Oh, it's cheesy, it's campy, whatever," but still like the way they pulled it off like just mind-blowing and all the cameos and all the stuff is just such a magnificent thing they did it really was it really was and uh we actually got a a list from a live listener that i'm going to toss in there really really quick before we move on to uh our next list on the show notes uh jeremy dove is tuning in live with us on channel 1138.com and sent us this list he's got letter kenny at number five westworld at number four Battlestar Galactica at number three. I need to watch Battlestar Galactica. I still haven't gotten around to that. Yep. Uh, number two, Breaking Bad. And number one, Vikings. I have heard a lot of really good things about Vikings as well and haven't gotten around to it. So there's a couple of them. He, he, he added this addendum. He goes, my list is not lighthearted. <laughs> That's okay because my list isn't going to be super lighthearted. There's going to be some pretty heavy stuff in my list as well. I think it's good to have a little bit of lightheartedness in there, though, so that you've got something to kind of give you a change of pace. But, I mean, going from Battlestar Galactica to Breaking Bad to Letterkenny, I feel like that's – I think that's pretty well-rounded enough to, to just kind of give you, like, a taste of a, of a lot of really good TV, let's be honest. You just you just be careful with it. Don't don't watch all the, the heavy stuff in a row. You know, mix it up. You know, watch yep. something heavy followed by something lighthearted. <laughs> Yep. Take yep. care of yourself. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, um, I see Kenny actually just joined us live on channel1138.com. Kenny, we literally just read your list off, dude. But uh, thank you for submitting it to recap. He said uh, The Clone Wars, Justice League Unlimited, Batman the Animated Series, Smallville, and basically anything from the CW DC Arrowverse shows, oh. which. All of those are really great lists, and a lot of them are related to like DC stuff. Have you noticed that, like the the Arrowverse, Smallville, Batman, and Justice League? Anything that's not Clone Wars is kind of related to to DC. So, um, yeah. you know, I've heard that DC's got like a like a streaming service, and they're doing shows like Swamp Thing and a Harley Quinn animated series. They've also got Titans going on over there. Like as far as television is concerned, DC is pretty set when it comes to quarantine type binging. Oh yeah, they're you're totally set up, and and I I love the whole reactions. I haven't watched any of it, but like Doom Patrol and all this stuff. The fact that people were like really skeptical of it, and now apparently it's like really good, and I'm interested in actually watching it. Um, great stuff. Yeah, they DC has got you covered, big time. They really do. So uh, up next, we got our good buddy Chris Abbott, aka Star Raptor. And he, he was here a second ago. I don't know where he went. He Where'd was. Where'd you go, Star Raptor? Oh man, you gonna miss out, bud. Well, well, he'll have to listen back on the feed. <laughs> um, number five, he says the Mandalorian. Uh, number four, The Wire. Number three, Sopranos. Number two, Game of Thrones. Yeah, not going for lighthearted here. <laughs> and number one, Breaking Bad. Okay. So we've got we've got a couple of of Breaking Bad references, and um, you know it's funny. I haven't thought about The Sopranos in so long. It's been a long time, hasn't it? it? It's it's been a while since I've thought about The Sopranos. But if you want to go back 
You know, I didn't even think about like old school binging. Like if you want to really binge something, go binge something that lasted a freaking long time like Gunsmoke. <laughs> oh god. Like that sounds I dangerous. Even, I don't even know how many seasons Gunsmoke has, but if you want to binge something that's like just got a lot a lot a lot of content, go find an old western like Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Have Gun Will Travel, The Rifleman, uh Wagon Train. Like, there's all kinds of Western content out there that you could also get your hands on. So, like, throwbacks are actually a really good idea, and I'm kind of upset at myself that I didn't think of anything like that. Yeah, I totally hear you there. Um, so, uh, what we, are we, who we got next? Uh, let me see. I think it's Eric Struthers, who's been a guest on this show uh, a couple yes, of times. he back. has. Been filling in for me most of the time when I'm absent. Um, but he's got, he's got a pretty well-rounded list. And a couple of these shows are ones that I either have seen or am curious about. And then one show that I am just, I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not. But I get where he's coming from because here's, here's the deal. When you've got kiddos you've got to watch stuff that your kiddos want to watch too yeah like you can't watch breaking bad in front of your five-year-old like (laughs) that's just that ain't gonna happen yeah and i i yeah yeah and eric if you don't already know has two kids is big and big into all of that and and i should give a massive shout out to him apart from from being a wonderful human being he also uh, hosts a podcast called The Bad Motivators, which is fantastic. He's, it pretty much is just him and two other dads talking about loving Star Wars and being dads. So it's just great. Um, yeah, and he's got a great list here. That's that's so wholesome. That is such a wholesome thing. Talking yeah. about being a dad, talking about Star Wars. Like, that's two of the most wholesome things you can talk about. It's so good. So, yeah, go check out The Bad Motivators. And Eric's list is as follows. Uh, we got some classics like The Office, uh, King of the Hill. He's got Star Wars Rebels on this list. Very specific. Not talking about Clone Wars, talking about Rebels. Go watch Rebels. And then he's got Parks and Rec at the tops. And then here's the wild card that got thrown in here. He's got My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. <laughs> in parentheses, he says, seriously, my kids love this show, and it's surprisingly good. Very well written. Look, I I know enough bronies to know that you don't judge anyone when they say they like My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Man. You don't doubt it. Man, bronies are actually pretty intense. (laughs) They are, man. You you would think something as as innocuous and, and, and childlike as My Little Pony wouldn't be as hardcore as the fellowship actually is, but it can be, like... Like bronies can be kind of intense sometimes, so um, I I believe you when you say that it's well written, Eric. But I think I'll stick to Parks and Rec and King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> it does doesn't mean it's for everyone, but hey, you know it's 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 nice that uh, you know someone other than just like you know because obviously My Little Pony is made for little kids, but like if adults can get enjoyment out of it, then why the heck not? I mean, it's it's true. It's true. There was an episode of uh, Bob's Burgers that addressed the the furry uh, slash uh, brony type of, of fandom, and it it scared me honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Mostly, mostly not not necessarily because of the fandom, but the the way um, the the way that they're presented and the way that that. Then outsider like Bob gets treated. 
Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't put Bob's Burgers on my list. I may have to go back and look at my top five again, because if you want something really crazy and really zany to watch that covers a lot of different facets of life in a really weird and comical way, you've got to check out Bob's Burgers. I've heard. And isn't there a Bob's Burgers movie coming out? Well, supposedly, but I mean, with the Corona stuff, who knows if that's going to be... I mean, who knows if we'll ever see a movie ever again. I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah, I mean, it might get released to Hulu or something, but... That would be interesting. uh, No. Deadgummit. I gave it the the wrong name. (laughs) I was talking to JD in the chat, and it was going to be a really, really kick-ass name, but I I got it wrong. Uh, The leading candidate, he's got uh, Crown Royal and Coke Zero. For his uh, drink of choice tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked me to name it. And I've been thinking about it and sitting on it for the last half hour. And I gave it the wrong name when I typed it into the chat. Son of a gun. <laughs> but uh, if you want to check out what I named it. Uh, it was it was honestly it was kind of a, a half-assed attempt. Because I'm, I'm so busy looking at these top fives. That trying to think of that and do that. While I'm mildly intoxicated is not as easy as it sounds. Nope. Definitely not. Not that I know anything about that. Um, right? Like, you can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, we, we only got you to say the F word for the first time in your life, like, four months ago. So, like, we're we're working on you. Next, you, you've, uh... You've, uh... You, you, you're, you're started to corrupt me. Next, um, you've broken next through. To, next celebration, I'm I'm spiking your your drink with, <laughs> uh, with vodka or something. Just to oh, see God. what happens. Oh, God. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be real interesting. Okay, Mr. Sean Giroux is up next. Um, he has his list at number five, Friends. I think I think someone likes that. Number four, Game of Thrones. Number three, Seinfeld. Hell yeah. Number two, Smallville. And number one, surprise, surprise for Sean, Supernatural. I mean, he's only got a Supernatural-themed podcast. <laughs> Like, none of us should be surprised by that. But uh, he's always been a big proponent of Smallville. He's always been a big proponent of Game of Thrones. He and I actually hosted a Game of Thrones podcast before. And he's actually going back through Friends for the first time in a long time. We talked about this the other day on our show called Sequels and Shots. It's a, a video cast, which is weird because I've been podcasting for so long that doing a video feed is like a little different for me. Mm. But we, we do this uh, video pod called Sequels and Shots where we talk about sequel movies. We've done like uh, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chess. And then on Wednesday, we talked about Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. And uh, we'll talk about those things, but then we'll also just talk about life. And one of the things that he was doing, he said, was going back through Friends. And he's recognizing some of the, the storylines and recognizing episodes that he missed when they were on TBS or whatever the equivalent of that is in Canada. And so he's like, OK, so this is like new episodes of Friends for me because I've never seen these ones before. <laughs> and that that kind of excited me. So I, I appreciate him like openly admitting that he's giving that show another chance, although he does still have Seinfeld rated ahead of it, which I get because Seinfeld's also a great show. So this is this is a really solid list, man. You've got some comedy in there. You've got some dramedy. You've got something that is totally binge worthy in Game of Thrones. Like that's a that's a good list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
And then here comes uh, his buddy McMahon, the two two dudes who help host uh, Fandom Empire. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what his nickname was that was uh, imparted upon him on Monday because uh, this is oh, a PG show. No. Oh no, this is, this is this is a PG podcast or a PG 13 for the most part. And uh, the nickname that was granted upon him was like X-rated. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It was bad. It was so bad. I don't even know how we got to that point, but the the name that he got was just oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. So, uh, we'll just call. We'll just call him McMahon. This is this is Johnny from Phantom Empire. We'll call him McMahon. This is this is the list that he gave us. Ben. Oh, that was my cue, wasn't it? But wait, it's it's my turn, isn't it? You did you did sages. Yeah. See, that's the whiskey kicking in. <laughs> I, I gave him this great intro, and I set I set you up, and I was supposed to be setting myself up. Oops. Um, it's gonna be fun tonight. We got we got Supernatural, we got The Office, and then immediately following that, we got Parks and Rec, and then another NBC show, Brooklyn Nine Nine, making another appearance. And then this uh, just in from Steven Schinder. If you're watching the entire series from when it starts in the 60s all the way up until now, there are 38 seasons of this last submission from McMahon, Doctor Who. Wow. That's a lot of binging. That is a lot of television. And honestly, how do you access those older episodes? Because I know like there, there are certain ways of accessing like everything from Eccleston through uh Whitaker but how do you access like the older Doctor Who episodes I don't know where to find them for the life of me and I'd like to watch Sylvester McCoy you know I I would like to watch some of the older Doctor Who episodes I have no idea where to find them I don't either because yeah I mean I would I would love to and you know I also have heard that they have, like, lost episodes over the years, like, from way back. Uh. And, like, last I heard that they were trying to recapture certain episodes because they broadcast out on, on TV signals, and they bounce off the moon and come back to Earth. And they're trying yeah. to recapture those episodes. Interesting. Which is Interesting. insane. Episodes that come off of the moon. I never would have thought of that crazy uh so yeah that's that's mcmahon's list uh although he's he's got another name that we're not allowed to say on the on on the show that Ooh. i that i sent you on the in the private chat on a on a facebook message but um the the next list, <laughs> uh, yeah we can't keep doing this we can't keep chatting across the thing we're like what the hell are they saying what the hell are they saying to each other hey, saying all this appropriate I, stuff i told you i told you guys that are listening live on channel 1138.com most of you are facebook friends with me i will tell you it in a private message or or we'll, we'll we'll do like i don't know what we do something after the show we'll do stick like around do like an after party or something <laughs> Um, Stephen says that the BBC wiped some of the episodes. Interesting. Really? Well, in I mean, that was a thing back then. Is like back in the day, like they would just air them, and if no one recorded it, like it just didn't it. go anywhere. It just goes out into oblivion. We don't have it anymore. Too bad. So sad. Wow, Man, wow. that's a bummer. It is. It's crazy. That's a, that's a buzzkill, honestly. But whatever. <laughs> okay, so um, when we when we talked to. Robin in the Peacekeeper Corps, 
um, he was asking, you know, should it be any different from the top five that I gave about my favorite TV shows? He actually went back and found the top five that he recommended, which is okay because I feel like all of these shows that, that he's recommending are binge worthy shows. So it, it's kind of cool that like your top five favorite shows are ones that people could totally binge watch during a time like this. Like it, it goes, it goes pretty hand in hand, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Robin's list is as follows. He says, uh, number five, Stargate SG one, number four, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, number three, Stranger Things, number two, the X-Files, and number one, again, Doctor Who. We've we've had a couple of leaders in here. We've gotten some we've gotten some Doctor Who, we've gotten some Star Wars stuff. Smallville and Supernatural have made a couple of appearances. Batman the Animated Series has made a couple of appearances. Um, I'm noticing a little bit of a trend here, and I'm thinking maybe maybe these are things that people should be taking note of. If you haven't seen some of these shows yet, these come highly recommended from a lot of people that are friends of IPC. They can't be bad if like people are a bunch of people are putting them on their top five TV show list. Right, exactly. If it's being corroborated by that many independent sources, it's not like somebody's looking at Robin's list and going, "Oh, I'm going to put that on my list," and then all of a sudden it shows up like in Eric's or or Sean's. Like everybody is thinking up their own list and submitting it, and then we're looking at everybody else's because people like, in large groups are never wrong, right? Right, it's that mob mentality. So if this peacekeeper mob says you need to be watching The Office, Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Breaking Bad, then guess what, bitch? You're going to be watching those shows this week because we told you to. One of us, one of us, one of us. Yeah. Okay, well, um, it's time for one of our final submissions of the evening. Make sure to write us in in the chat on channel1138.com if you're listening live and you – haven't heard yours, or if you have a list and you want to submit it, this is your final call because we're going to be reading this last list, and then we're going to be moving into our lists. Once we're done with that, we're moving into the Clone Wars, not going to be taking any more submissions. So final call if you haven't heard your list yet. But there is one list that we have kind of been saving for last because when we do these top five episodes, it's pretty much become its own segment now. Like, let's be honest. Anytime we do a top five, we've also got to hear this little bit before we go into it. So, ladies and gents, without further ado, I present to you Schinder's List. Right, so with Schinder's List, again, Steven is one of those super detailed guys who makes sure that he's getting it just the way he wants it to, uh-huh. and will give great explanations or ask really great clarifying questions. And so when you posted this prompt the other day, he was like one of the first to respond, and he's like, are these shows we've been binging or planning to binge during quarantine or are they shows we recommend people binge during quarantine? And I, honestly, I love my response. I was just like, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes to all. Uh, all of the above. <laughs> however, you, however you want to put it. Um, but he's, he's, got, he's got a pretty solid list here that I think a lot of people would, would get some enjoyment out of if they, uh, if they chose to dive into one of these or all five of them. Who knows? 
Maybe somebody's taking notes and is like, okay, this, 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 this. Okay, I'm also going to watch this, 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 and this. You know what I'm kind of bummed about? Nobody, nobody on any of their lists put Tiger King. You're right. Okay, here's, here's, my, here's my one addendum. Tiger King is only one season, and it's got like seven episodes. So oh, okay. I don't really know if you can classify that as binge-worthy because you can knock it out in like one day. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what 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 have we got for for Schindler's list? Obviously it's not Tiger King. I just spoiled that. <laughs> not Tiger King, but it is some pretty good stuff actually something that I just mentioned earlier. Uh number 5, Doom Patrol. Uh number 4, Harley Quinn. I assume the animated series cuz he last yes. time he was on the show, he was raving about that show how great it is. Um number 3, the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Love me some Scooby-Doo. Number two, Twin Peaks, obviously. And uh, number one, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Another show that I know he's been talking about a lot. So, so much so much so that I thought he was going to convince you to watch it, and then you backed out again. <laughs> almost. Almost got there. <laughs> Game close. But, I mean, if I can get my hands on some Scooby-Doo, I will totally watch, like, classic 90s Scooby-Doo uh, I remember watching that like at my grandparents' house because my family didn't have cable. So anytime I went to my grandparents' house, I was always putting on stuff like uh, Cartoon Network and stuff like that in order to watch some of the shows that I didn't get to watch. And so, like if I if I can get my hands on some Scooby Doo, I'm totally into that. I'm willing to give Harley Quinn a try. I just need to borrow somebody else's password because I'm I'm not paying for another streaming service. I hear <laughs> like, you there. I hear I'm you there. Sorry, man. I I have got um I've got Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and I did have HBO for a while, but then I just got Game of Thrones on D- on Blu-ray and just said to hell with it. Um <laughs> and then I I'm borrowing my dad's YouTube TV account so I can like record sporting events. Only there's no sports going on right now. Boo. But uh, there's a lot of streaming at my disposal right now, and I'm just I, I'm not in a place where I feel up to adding one more. So <laughs> I, I I trust your recommendation, dude. But uh, I think the only one that's attainable for me is actually Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, and I've already watched it. So I don't know if I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna go back through it again so soon. Um, but it is worth watching. It, yeah. it is it is worth watching. Like very much in the spirit of of uh, Jim Henson's original work, but also got a lot of originality to it and some great casting, like Jason Isaacs from Star Trek Discovery and The Patriot and Star Wars Rebels. It's got um, Mark Hamill in it. It's got um, Scotty from the 2009 Star Trek. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is in it. And just a, a whole host of others. I think... Um, Eggsy from Kingsman is Taren, Taren Edgerton. Edgerton, yeah. See, thanks. See, for, I, I'm look, here. I'm here for you. I'm here for you with the all gaps. the names. You're filling in the gaps that my alcohol is creating <laughs> in my mind. So thank you, bud. That's remember that the next time I forget a name. Remember that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you won't have alcohol as an excuse. So I'm definitely gonna rib you for that. But. Is what it is. Steven yeah, says Mystery Inc. is on Netflix and Twin Peaks is as well. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe I've got some stuff I can add to my list then. That's cool. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, it's about time for us to get into our stuff. But as always, thanks for another great edition of Schinder's List, Stephen. Now, not to leave out our good buddy, Jake Damon, which we almost did, uh, <laughs> but he also sent us a list, even though he couldn't make it uh, onto the show with us. And so I'm going to read off his five. He sent little descriptions along with each one as well. Um, and this is this is a pretty solid list as well. Uh, at number five, he's got SpongeBob SquarePants and his addendum says, Okay, I grew up with this show, and to this day, it remains the show I quote the most. Not sure what that says about you, Jake. He says, seasons one through three are basically perfect and define my childhood and sense of humor. Just watch it. At number four, he says, The Office. What can I say? The first seven seasons of this are some of the best TV you'll watch. The last couple of seasons, uh, not so much. That takes it a peg down from another show for me, which I feel did a better job at being consistently funny throughout. The Jim and Pam love story is one that could have been so rushed and cliche, but turned out to be one of the most natural and heartwarming I've ever seen. At number three is the other show that he was mentioning. Number three, he's got Parks and Rec. He says, I always viewed this as a spiritual successor to The Office, but I believe in many ways ended up being its superior. This show has made me laugh, cry, and make me wish I worked at the Pawnee Parks and Recreation Department each yeah. time I've gone through it. A freaking men, brother. <laughs> A freaking men. At number two, he's got Seinfeld. Says, like a bag of spicy sweet chili Doritos, you will consume one episode after another until the whole bag is gone and you don't know what to do with your life. That's a metaphor I wasn't expecting. <laughs> is it a show-related metaphor, or does Jake just like spicy sweet chili Doritos? What does he like more, Seinfeld or spicy chili Doritos? I don't know. At this point, I can't, I can't really tell. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, at number one, this is one that has been recommended by several other uh, peacekeepers and uh, it's kind of interesting that he puts it at the top of the list I really haven't heard him talk about this show very much but he says number one Breaking Bad mm. he says amazing show my favorite of all time compelling as hell story with no bad episodes no in all caps Wow, that's pretty high praise from it Mr. Damon indeed it is and I, honestly I've been intrigued by Breaking Bad before but, you know, I, I just I don't know why I didn't get into it. AMC shows have kind of been hit and miss for me often. Like I I enjoyed the first couple of seasons of Hell on Wheels. I have enjoyed certain episodes of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. But, uh, you know, I mean, I've only seen a few episodes of Sons of Anarchy. Isn't Sons of Anarchy also on AMC? Yeah, I believe so. I think it is. But I've heard a lot of good things about Breaking Bad. I mean, even... Steven in the chat says Breaking Bad is the best written show I've ever seen. That alone is a really compelling reason for me to watch it because a lot of the TV that I like to consume is the stuff that's really well written, got a compelling storyline. So I guess I need to watch it. If there are a lot of people on tonight's episode that are recommending it and Jake is recommending it so highly, maybe I need to give it a shot. Yeah, I hear you there. 
any any thoughts on Jake's top five before we move on? Um, solid list, and, and I, I love the addition of Parks and Rec. And to be honest, to add to this, I almost included Parks and Rec on my list. Really? I was considering it. Oh man, so close, and and only only after like what four or five episodes. <laughs> so have have you have you gotten into any more since then? Um, I've been trying desperately. I want to go back to episode one and yeah. start. Yeah. Um, and I've also been dividing time between that and Star Trek Discovery. And right. I've only gotten one episode of Star Trek Discovery in like a week, which bums me out. I, maybe, I, maybe if if it wasn't so late now, <laughs> I would right. do some after this show. Right, right. Well, but it's we'll only going to get later because we've still got more to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I told Jake in the in the Facebook chat. I said eighty percent of this list is awesome. <laughs> any ideas or any guesses what that twenty percent might be? Oh boy, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. I'm not. I'm not going to detriment his stuff that intentionally. You're gonna but... hold him in suspense. He was still trying to figure it out in the chat too. Right, right. He was asking, and I was like, and then I sent him the gif of the genie with the zipper lips. I was like, I'm not saying. And guess what, bud? I'm still not saying. Oh, but I'm bum. I think he'll have a bone to pick with you next week. Mm, he might. If he shows up. Exactly. <laughs> we love you and we miss you, Jake. All right, dude. You've had almost an hour. You've had about 45 minutes. Um, have you been able to come up with five binge-worthy shows for us to talk about here at this segment? Um, yes, I have. Uh, that's very convincing. <laughs> <laughs> very, very convincing. This long, um, uh, yes, Mark? Is that an exclamation mark at the end, or is, is, it, is it a question mark? A question mark. I don't know. <laughs> We'll find out, won't we? Do you want me to go first? Do you have a few more seconds to, like, finalize things? Or? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Because I'm still finalizing. But I got my selections. I'm just like, oh, do I put this one here? Do I put this one at number one or number two? It's really hard. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I kind of know what my, my number one and number two are going to be. Um, no, I think I kind of like the order it's in. I, I may just leave it at this. Um, but I will say I'm going to have an honorable mention in there, and this honorable mention is one that I have not seen yet but intend to during this quarantine when I've got a little bit more downtime and I've got the ability to start binging something new. I am going to finally take that leap of faith and get into Supernatural. Nice. And uh, I, that's a huge undertaking for me because it's like 15 seasons Fifteen seasons, dude. Like that's <laughs> that is five seasons more than Friends had. Like I swear, I don't know how this show has gone that long, and how those guys have been able to maintain those roles. But like, props and kudos to the CW for being able to come up with a show that's lasted as long as it has with that many episodes. Like that's fantastic. But uh, that's my honorable mention. And before I get into my actual five, I'm going to describe my criterion really quickly, like how I arrived at these particular binge-worthy selections. Okay. To me, binging something requires a extended commitment to watching something. 
you know, a certain number of hours or perhaps a certain number of seasons, something that requires quite a bit of commitment to be able to get into it and then get through it. And so there were a lot of possibilities that I wanted to put in there, but they they didn't quite make the cut. And eventually my criterion became stuff that was over four seasons long. So if it's four seasons or fewer, it's not making my top five list. Oh, there's a lot of really great stuff out there that is four seasons or fewer, but I I don't necessarily know if it quite makes the cut for binge worthy. And so there's a lot of four season shows like Rebels. Uh, I think Avatar The Last Airbender was three or four seasons. Um, Stranger Things is three seasons. And then there are some like Handmaid's Tale, Marvel's Runaways, Rick and Morty that are all three or four seasons. You've got shows like Westworld that's still going on. It's in its third season. Altered Carbon's got two seasons. You got stuff like Lost in Space, The Witcher, Dark Crystal, Tiger King, Firefly, Mandalorian. Um, Batman the Animated Series is only four seasons. Basically anything from Netflix's Marvel like Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. Those all only lasted two or three seasons. Those are all really great. And totally worth watching. Daredevil is one of my favorite TV shows, just period. Especially season one. But it's not in my top five binge-worthy shows. Doesn't quite meet that criterion. So if you want something that's a little shorter term but still great quality, I would check out any of those ones that I just listed. Or any of the the ones that have been listed so far. All really great options. But if I'm looking at stuff that is over four seasons long and worth your time and commitment, then checking in at number five would be any of the Star Trek shows that are longer than five seasons. That would include The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Shows like Picard, Discovery, Enterprise, the original series, those are totally worth watching. But if you want to binge something, then binge the six or seven seasons that come from Next Generation, DS9, or Voyager. I would personally recommend Deep Space Nine. If I have to cut corners and eliminate something and specifically say this is my selection, I would say Deep Space Nine. But basically any of those longer Star Trek shows, they stand the test of time as far as political commentary goes, as far as Uh, adventure and fantasy goes as far as pop culture and references tie-ins to current television programming such as Picard like there are a lot of reasons to watch Star Trek and if you just haven't gotten around to it you know you like Star Wars you like some other fantasy related stuff but you just haven't gotten around to Star Trek I would say now is the perfect time to do that Yep. And I think, okay, I think there's going to be a, a a big distinction between yours and my list mm-hmm. because because I think I on my actual list, there are no series over, like, three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a great, like, com- like, contrast between these. If you want something so, longer, check out Zach's list. You want something shorter, check out Ben's list. This is great. Go. This is great. I love it, actually. I really <laughs> do. This is fantastic. So what have you got at number five, then? 
Well, okay, I'll I'll go off. You got your honorable mentions, right? Yes, I did. I got an honorable. I, mention. I'm gonna lead off with my honorable honorable mentions. I can speak sometimes, really quick. You, you can words. Good job. I can words because these are the only two shows that are over four seasons. <laughs> oh, you're kidding! On my list. Your honorable mentions, the ones that are longer than four seasons. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay, first one up. It's pretty self-explanatory. Star Wars: The Clone Wars. I didn't want to put it in my list because I felt like I was cheating, and but it's still a great show. If you have not seen it, absolutely go into it. Get a chronological list of episodes and run through it. You will not regret it. It's pivotal to Star Wars. It's pivotal to everything and one of the best animated series ever created. So it, it, this is the perfect time to do it. If you're sitting at home, do it. Um, and the other one is something kind of fits the, the wholesome you know, fun, uh, lighthearted stuff. The Andy Griffith Show is, you know, it, obviously it's serialized. It's just a sitcom, but it's one of the classics, and it's it's it just this, and it's you know got a long running time, a lot of episodes, so many great <laughs> ones, and uh, yeah, it'll definitely it's it's the thing that you can watch and just turn off your brain and forget about everything that's going on in the world for a little while and and just enjoy some really wholesome wholesome entertainment. This is true. Although I will admit, I was not as big a fan of that show when um, Don Knotts left it. I don't think anybody was. I think when like, one is once it went color and Barney left, it's like ah, well, and yeah. then Gomer got his own TV show, Gomer Pyle USMC. So when you when you lost your two main lovable goofballs, it was like the show got more serious or something. Like yeah, it, Andy turned into kind of an a hole. <laughs> It was like relationship drama and trying to figure out life and navigating, uh, you know, parenting a teenager and things like that, which don't get me wrong. Uh, Ronnie Howard did a great job being that emotional adolescent, but like it just it didn't have necessarily the same kind of whimsy that it did when it was in its black and white days. You can make the argument that Barney Fife was the main character of that show. Oh, absolutely. Like, for so much of it. Like, he made that show. So when he left, it, it, a lot of that show, there was some good episodes after that, but not nearly as many as before. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Maybe we'll talk about Andy Griffith one of these days. Sure, Just do, do an a Andy whole Griffith. episode out on it. Totally, totally. That would be amazing. All right, so you want, you want me to go ahead with my number five? Yeah, by all means. All right, so my number five is something that I just started watching. I am in the middle of watching it right now in the second season, and uh, I think there's a third season coming out pretty soon. And I signed up for CBS All Access for this show, um, and it helped the fact that there's now a new deal where you can get a free month of CBS All Access to access any of their shows. So I definitely recommend doing that and watching this show as well as any of the other shows, but the show that I'm talking about is, of course, Star Trek Discovery. And it's really the first it's the first Star Trek series that I've actually like gotten full on into. I've seen episodes of the original series, of course I've watched the films, and so but this one is like the one I've been fully invested in. And I'll admit, first few episodes I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't like I'm loving this, but it you know, after just a little a few episodes I really got to love the characters. I like what they're doing with it. It's really kind of subverted my expectations in regards to what it's planned to do, and you know, everyone was like, "Oh, why is it set way back?" I think, well, you'll see, you'll 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 understand why it's set, where it's set, and what it's doing. And and really, you know, early on, there's some things that happened that I didn't expect to happen, and, and it comes back around. I think it really 
the first and and so far the second season has been really strong. And so if you're looking for some new Star Trek to get into, and you know if you're like me where you haven't seen Next Generation, you can't really get into Picard yet. Discovery is a great little gateway drug into Star Trek. If you've never seen Star Trek before, I think it's a great thing to do that. And I think it also lines up even if you only seen like the newer Star Trek like J.J. Abrams films. Like I think it still links kind of it crosses lines there where you can kind of you can get into it no matter where you're coming at it from. So Star Trek Discovery is my number five. It's a good selection, and I kind of find it interesting that both of our number fives relate to the Star Trek universe, even though it was the Clone Wars that kind of brought us together. Like, we, oh, we <laughs> yeah. how how we have evolved over the last five years or whatever. Uh, it's all, it's coming up on six years next month. Can you believe that? My God. We've been, we've been talking on the internet to each other for the last almost six years. That's, <laughs> That's that's crazy, but you know, we we go from talking about the Clone Wars at the beginning of the podcast, and now we're talking about Star Trek almost six years later. That's pretty cool, and I will agree. In my opinion, Discovery has the best second season of any Star Trek series. Really? In my opinion, it has the strongest and best and most cohesive second season of any star trek i've watched because shows like deep space nine don't really get going until the third season next generation kind of takes like the third almost fourth season um i think enterprise hits its stride in the third season there's there's a lot of shows that it takes a while to get their footing but um in in the midst of all that they were trying to accomplish in season one the one thing that they did do was establish the characters really well so that now they can hit the ground running in season two. They did a great job. Uh, That's cool. Steven's comment on the live chat says, he says, uh, Discovery is honestly the best gateway spinoff series. It has no continuity lockout and explains the concepts you might not be familiar with along the way naturally. Uh, I will agree to half of that comment and disagree to the other half. There are still some, uh, some continuity issues that I have, especially in season one, but... I feel like they address a lot of it in season two to try and make it make more sense. But uh, there there are still a few things about it that I'm like, okay, I've seen all the other shows and this is not supposed to happen yet. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like I said, season, season one, I, I felt like was, was a little mixed at times. Season two was really, really strong and actually ties into the Kirk series really well too so yeah that's a that's, that's a good choice man yeah great great choice okay so i guess we're on to know your number four now okay so we're on to number four and uh this one is actually just over four seasons it's it's just over four seasons it's actually right at five seasons and that five season wasn't that fifth fifth that number five season that fifth season wasn't super well reviewed but i enjoyed it nonetheless um, this is one that I feel like does really great character development. Uh, the storylines that you see in season one have big payoffs in seasons four and five. Um, great character development, great storytelling, uh, great cliffhanger endings of episodes and even endings of seasons. Um, gets you a little bit deeper into the lore of this universe and all doing it without the heavy influence of the primary protagonist that the series is based on. And I'm talking about 
Fox's hit comic series, Gotham. Mm, wow. Gotham is a fantastic TV show that ties into elements of the movies like The Dark Knight and Batman Begins. Also has tie-ins to the animated series and the comics. It actually does a lot of really solid exposition while also getting you engaged with the current story. You don't have to sit around asking, where's Batman? Because the, the Gotham Police Department is doing their best to handle the chaos. They're doing their best, but their best is none too good. And it kind of shows all of the anarchy and chaos and and all of the problems that the city is enduring before the caped crusader comes in like mm -hmm. i i really really enjoyed what they did with a lot of these characters the establishment that they do for people like mr freeze and poison ivy and scarecrow the mad hatter like you get a lot of comic book villains in there and they're portrayed as like actual people and it, it just it it comes out so well done and i i really enjoyed it i introduced my dad to it he really enjoyed it if there was one like action drama that i would recommend getting into it would be gotham nice i've heard a lot of good things about gotham i watched the first episode and that was it <laughs> <laughs> but I really I, I've heard nothing but good things since it began and uh, yeah like it's a great choice and how many seasons is up to uh, it, it, it the show's finished and okay. it was it was five seasons long okay five seasons That's so it's it's doable you could probably run. get it done like over a weekend or something if you really tried maybe like a three day span or something like that depending on just how into it you got but it's a it's a it's a good show I enjoyed it nice very, very nice. All right, so I guess I'm on to my number four? Four. Yes, sir, number four. My number four. Okay, so I went from Star Wars to Star Trek. Now I'm going back to a bit of Star Wars. And I think this show deserves a bit more attention. It deserves people to give it a chance because I think even the people that made it, or at least funded it, didn't really give it a chance. Um, it only lasted two seasons, and you know I think it's an often over. I think it's an overlooked gem in the Star Wars franchise and just you know shows in general. Um, and it's one that I really really enjoyed. I think it was gone too soon, and it's got a lot of really good storytelling in it. And uh, you know where I'm going with this because I see you typing it in the notes. Star Trek, Star Wars, Star Resistance. Trek, Star Trek Resistance, Star Trek Resistance. That's the new TV show. They're not going to get sued for that. <laughs> well, Star Wars. Go ahead. I, I originally thought you were going to be saying Rebels because Rebels is right at four seasons. But um, you know, I actually i i have not watched one episode of Resistance. And and, and here's the thing, and this is why I bring it. I think a lot of people haven't watched it, and it's out on streaming now. It's out on Disney+. Plus. Anybody can watch it, and it's free right. thing. And I'm not saying that Resistance is one of the best shows ever. It's groundbreaking, whatever. It's it's not. It really isn't, but it's, it's a lot of fun, and I think if you're interested in Star Wars and the lore, especially around you know, the sequel trilogy that just finished, um, which we didn't really get a whole lot of, you know, kind of backstory on that, like, and getting a different perspective because the show starts before The Force Awakens and then runs concurrently 
through the events of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and you're seeing some stuff happen that from directly from the point of view of some of those characters, and you see, you know, the, for example, the destruction of, of Hosnian Prime, and, you know, it's a big deal. And, you know, yeah, it's very goofy, it's very colorful, it's very obviously made for kids, it's made with kids in mind, but there's so many great characters. I think the performances are really great, I think. I think the storytelling, I think, is fairly solid, especially in the first season. There's some stuff, if you have no idea going in like what to expect, I think you're going to be surprised by several things about it. And I think it goes to even some dark places that I didn't even see coming myself. So I think, you know, it's only two seasons. It really, I think it tells a pretty concise story. You can tell they were probably going to continue with some more stuff, but still it has a you know, a satisfying enough ending that uh, you get some stuff. And there's some interesting things between the characters I think is really good. I think if you like Star Wars, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think I think streaming helps because there are a few episodes in there where it's like, oh, come on, keep going with the story. It's kind of, it kind of feels like filler, but then it's going something and it's going places. And I think if you're watching them back-to-back, binging them, I think it plays a lot better. I think if you're watching them week-to-week, I think it lost a lot of people. So... I recommend this show. I think it's great. I think if you have a few hours, because it's two seasons and they're only 22 minutes per episode, so it's not a super long watch, but uh, I think it'll be worth your time if uh, you give it some time. So uh, Star Wars Resistance is my number four. As long as it doesn't finish with space whales saving the day, I'm interested. There are no space whales that I can remember. Okay. There's a lot of other wacky stuff. There's uh there's there's these uh things called gorgs. They're like frogs that bite people's fingers like that. It's a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff, but uh, it's also it, you you just have to like not take it too seriously. You really cannot take it too seriously because you're gonna be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm interested in the animation style for one thing. Like some of the space battles that I've seen projected in previews and stuff look really cool. And I'm interested in like Poe Dameron appearances and the tie-ins that it's got to the yep. Force Awakens and things like that. Like those things, I'm intrigued by. It's just some of the other stuff that I heard about that kind of like had me teetering on the edge. But you make a fair point that knocking it all out in a in like a more concise fashion might make it more enjoyable than seeing filler episodes every so often. Um, and it's on streaming service which I already have that streaming service. <laughs> so the only thing it's costing me is my time. And that's exactly what people have a lot of right now. Exactly. And you know, there's, there's certain elements that might not sit right with you. And that can be happened. That can be the well, case for that, any series. That happened in the clone wars. That happened. In yeah. Marvel's, like, that, but like when you're binging it and when it's only 22 minute episode, you can f- fly through that yeah. and, you know, say, Hey, you know, I'm not even feeling this episode. I'll just skip this episode. But I think, Resistance does enough, especially season one, where it's it's telling a complete story. Every episode is kind of building towards something big that happens at the end of the season okay. that you don't see coming. And uh, there's a lot of great moments. I think, you know, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, dumb, funny stuff. Kaz is a absolute goof, but he's funny. And Niku, who's played by Josh Brenner, is one of the best Star Wars characters ever. I, I'm sorry he is. He's hilarious and he's great. So watch it for Niku, if nothing else. See, that's exactly why I haven't been watching it. 
because the memes and the captions and the quotes that I've gotten from Niku have just made me facepalm a little bit. No, he's he's like he's like Drax the Destroyer, but he doesn't want to hurt anyone. Like he's 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 that lovable. That kind of defeats the whole purpose of Drax. <laughs> Can you imagine if Drax the Destroyer was Drax the Softy Pants McHuggable? Like, what? What? Who would want to watch that? Uh, you just have to see. You just have I to see for yourself. So. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, I have a little bit more time off this summer because I'm not taking any online classes during the summer. So part of what I'm going to be doing is trying to figure out what to do with my evenings over the course of the summer. And now I'm working on a list. So this helps. Nice. Uh, on to my number three then, yeah? Yo. Okay, my number three, uh, for starters, is not finished yet. It is still oh. going on. So once you get caught up, you then have reason to anticipate what is going to be its final season. They have just finished recording the final season of this, and you've got plenty of other seasons to watch and get caught up on until uh, until the uh, the final installment of this show comes to light this is actually a show that we have talked about years ago on this podcast Mm -hmm. and both of us i mean probably probably you more than me because i got back into it like within the last six to twelve months um but both of us kind of dropped off with this show and then i found a way to pick it back up somehow but we gave this show stellar reviews in the first, you know, the first year of our podcast. And it has been flying under the radar, probably, for the last several years that we've been recording. We haven't done any season recaps of this show in a long time. But it has gradually been building upon itself to the point that it's got almost an endgame type of feel for this final season. Like, Mm. everything's coming to a head. Everything's going to have to be solved here in this season. And we're going to have to get satisfaction of stuff that we've been waiting on since, like, season one and two, for crying out loud. And uh, I just, I think, as far as a bingeable, serialized drama is concerned, there are very few network programs that do it better than the CW's show, The 100. I knew you were going there. I knew it, and I could not agree more. It is one of the best written shows that I've ever seen. It is, like, so well acted. They've got a great, great cast that works on this show. And they have they have just done so many things to help the characters grow and change and evolve and learn. And they face so many moral and ethical dilemmas that change the fate of humanity as you know it in this show like so much weighs on these young people's shoulders and even if i don't necessarily relate to them on a one-to-one ratio the way they present the show makes me think about how i would react if i was the one making the call if i was making these decisions if i had to pick and decide what my fate was going to be and the fate of those around me were going to be what kind of things would I do? And I think that's one of the great things about that show is it challenges you. It makes you think it's cerebral, but it's also really emotional and builds on itself. Like I said, 
Every season is different from the previous one, and all of the characters are growing and learning and changing as the show goes on. And they they just wrapped their last season, as I said, and I cannot wait to see how this show concludes because the way they finish this last season, I literally have no idea what's going to happen next. Wow. I'm I really I'm I I am ashamed, honestly, that I have not gotten back into it. And just it's just it's just been one of those things. Like sure. I just stopped watching it and just never got back to it. Yep. And I love the one hundred. Like, there's no reason for me not to go back. I just haven't. <laughs> but uh you know, I guess maybe uh it ending is gonna be the one final thing to kinda push me over the edge to get me back to see it and see it through to the end because yeah, it's some of the some of the best T V I've ever seen in my life is in that show and the ups and downs and yeah it's not the most joyful or uplifting show but uh overall i like the messages the things and just the, the storytelling is just absolutely stellar in in my opinion and and this is this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion but there is there is uh one season where they have a few episodes that's kind of an arena style fight to the death to determine the fate of certain clans that exist within the show. And those clans almost represent districts and the way that the arena style fight goes on and the way that it's, it's fought and the way that it's judged and the way the winner is determined and stuff. It reminded me a lot of the hunger games. Really? Yeah. And in my opinion, that arena style miniseries that they had in one of those seasons was actually a better telling of the Hunger Games than the actual Hunger Games. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I, I, I just I probably have said that before, but I'll say it again. That show does so many things right. And I'm sad that it's leaving, but I'm glad that it's getting the opportunity to leave on its own terms. The ratings stayed consistent enough and the fandom stayed passionate enough that this show is getting to end on its own terms, and I am so happy about that. That's great. That is wonderful. It's always nice to see because we've been there with other shows. Oh, yeah. We don't get that uh, courtesy. And it's, Firefly. <coughs> it's messy. It's messy. Oh, goodness. Unfortunately so. All right. Well, um, what we got next? I literally don't know where we're going next. Uh, we're at your number three, sir. All right, my number three is something that uh, is 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 something different that I don't think anybody else like listed anything quite like this, but it's something that I have been working through for the past few months, and it's only got one season. It's a docu series, so it's completely different, but at the same time, it's really fascinating, and I think. You know, I especially love documentaries. I love just learning something, especially about something that you thought you knew everything about, but then there's this whole other world of stuff that you had no idea about. And, uh, of course, with the advent of Disney+, Plus, there's been a lot of docuseries. And some of them I've not been overly impressed with. There's a couple documentaries that I really wasn't impressed with. But one in particular that I really like, I think they've done really well with, is something called The Imagineering Story. And basically, it's a seven, eight part, something along those lines. You know, they're hour long episodes, and it's basically the story of like Disney in general. It mainly focuses on the Imagineering side of things, and you get some behind the scenes stuff on all the makings of all the rides. It 
Disneyland and Walt Disney World and all the other parks. But uh, if you're if you're into Disney or just even vaguely familiar, I think if you even if you're not into Disney, you would be fascinated by this because like, and it's pretty like everyone knows Disney is kind of sanitized in the way they kind of present things and like, oh, it's all hunky-dory, happy thing. It's not always that way in this series. They really are kind of brutally honest sometimes in, you know, telling the ups and downs of the Disney company and about certain CEOs that didn't do well, other ones that did. And, you know, sometimes, you know, creativity wasn't the, you know, the top thing. It was sometimes it was just money and they were like openly, you know, like blatantly, uh, you know, open about the fact that some CEOs just didn't care about the parks or whatever. We're just trying to make make a buck. And uh, it's really fascinating. So I highly recommend it. It's something that's completely different from all the other stuff that we talked about tonight. And I feel like I needed to mention it because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed just getting into and learning a heck of a lot of stuff that uh, I didn't know about Disney. And the first episode is basically about Walt Disney, but then he dies at the end of the first episode, which I know, not uplifting, but I think overall it's an uplifting story because it kind of carries on with people trying to carry on his legacy, and I think that's a huge thing with Disney and just people in general. So, uh, The Imagineering Story on Disney+, Plus, go watch it. It's my number three. Uh, how many episodes is this? This is, you know what, I've got Disney+, Plus literally right in front of me. I could just go check, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, I will... on the spot like that, but I was just... No, 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 I, I, I should have had that up. Like You, you mentioned know, that... it was a little bit shorter, but has a lot of depth to it, which is interesting because you don't really get that a lot from some programs that are shorter like that. Like, it takes a while for it to build on itself and, and kind of develop, but for something to have that kind of an impact in one season, like... Even if it is a docu-series, like, there are not very many shows that have that kind of immediate impact. Tiger King obviously has that immediate impact on Netflix right now. But there's just – there's not a whole lot of them. I think maybe, like, Making a Murder probably had that impact a few years ago, that that little mini-series that Netflix put out. But there's there's not a whole lot of them out there that that have that capability. Yeah, and, okay, so to to put – things into perspective uh the doc, the imaginary story every uh, it has six episodes total i and i'm not sure they may you months to watch this well kind of you know i've been doing it with my family and thing and th- each episode is over 60 minutes long so okay. you're talking about almost like a like a series of documentaries like all in a row and they all focus on different parts of it so you can kind of like you know, watch this one. You're kind of talking about you know old school, and it starts way back when Walt Disney was around, and then kind of goes up into the modern day. So you start seeing more and more familiar stuff. But uh, you know, you could feasibly, you know, if you're just watching it straight through, you could probably knock it out in a day or so. Um, but uh, you know, it's also good to just kind of you know let a slow burn as uh, you know, just it's it's really fascinating, and you know, it's a lot of good content. That's cool, man. I I never have been able to, um, like successfully navigate through certain documentaries, and I don't know why. Maybe there was something about them in my childhood that seemed boring to me, and so now it's just registered in my subconscious. It's like, oh, documentary, oh, boring. Like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of them like that that I just have a hard time getting into, and so I I like having very specific recommendations like these. Because it gives me something to kind of like hyper focus on. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe I just enjoy 
watching characters portray things rather than doing these interviews with stuffy people with ties on in a office setting or something like that or, or a study mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Like those, those pull aside history channel things where they, they show you like black and white images of the battle scenes and you've got some bland narrator talking over it or something like that. Like that stuff just – that's going to put me to sleep. Or it's, you know, about, uh, you know, them, them – Finding ancient aliens, and then, spoiler alert, by the end, they they didn't find any ancient aliens. Right? Like, that's just false advertising. Like, that's a a waste of my time. But, you know, it's something that is is concrete, has a certain attainable goal to it, only, you know, like you said, six episodes. Like, I know what I'm getting myself into, and it's a little bit easier to get into something like that. So... You know, I may check that out, but I can't make any promises because it's just anything documentary. Maybe that's part of the reason why I haven't watched Tiger King yet is I don't know what to expect out of it. And they've they've called it like a limited docuseries. And I'm like, this is another documentary. I don't want to watch another documentary. (laughs) Like, I, I don't I don't know how that got so ingratiated in my subconscious, but somehow it is. And I've got to shake it somehow. So maybe Tiger King can help me with it. Maybe Imagineering Story can help me with it. I don't know, but I got to shake it somehow. Yeah, I hear you there. So, and documentaries are for everyone, but if you're gonna watch one, I recommend this one. That's cool. The that's cool. I I was not expecting a docu series to be, um, like a like in in a top five things to binge. That's that's fascinating. I like being unexpected. Yes, very unexpected. Um, and you know, I'm I'm probably going to be a little unexpected with what my next selection is because mm. this isn't something that I've really talked about a whole whole lot on this podcast. Um, I may have made a brief mention of it when I said that I had just started watching it and I'm kind of in the middle of it. Um, but really since I've been trying to get you to watch Parks and Rec for so long and since I've been talking about Friends so much, this this show has kind of fallen by the wayside and I'm I'm embarrassed by that, but I'm I'm going to bring it to light here with my number 2 recommendation. Um this show uh it's it's so different. It's so so different from anything else that I've watched and yet so accessible and attainable that I'm like where has this been all my life? Why have I been waiting until now to watch it? And uh, it's currently in its seventh season, and I think it's been confirmed for an eighth. And this show has actually been spanning across two different channels. Like, it was on one channel for a while, got dropped by them, and, like, the very next day, its contract got picked up by another station. That's how popular it is. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, it, it's got a huge following, and I totally understand why now, because it only took me a couple of months to get caught up on, like, the six and a half seasons that it had it had, it had, it had released up to this point. And now I'm at that point where I'm watching every episode when it releases on Hulu in order to keep up with the storyline because I'm just so involved in it now. And that is the Andy Samberg comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yep, yep. I feel like I've probably mentioned it every now and again, but not nearly to the depth that I wish I could. I love Friends. I love Parks and Rec. I feel like those are kind of givens, but they can also be kind of serialized. It's like, 
yeah, you can watch a few episodes here, you can watch a few episodes there, but somehow, some way, I just got totally hooked on Nine Nine. The stories that they tell, the mysteries that they solve, the friendships that they have, the dynamics between the characters, the ensemble cast nature, the um, the the way that they advance certain things like having an openly gay supervisor, having a bisexual co-worker, like they address all of these really heavy topics in yet a, a very accessible, attainable and entertaining way. Like fantastic writing, fantastic cast and acting. Like just when you feel like you've got somebody pinned, like you, you, you feel like you've got their character down, you know what to expect from them. They throw you a curveball. And you get something new out of them. And it's it's just so, so fun to watch. So much fun to laugh at and enjoy. And, like, I, I enjoy going over to my parents' house because if I'm caught up, they're usually not. And so I'm, like, in the middle of season seven with everybody else. And my dad's only in, like, season three or four. So I get to go back and watch certain episodes again. I get to have those laughs all over again. And... Like it's got a high rewatchability factor, but it's got a really high binge factor in my opinion. And I am actually considering just going back and binging it again so that I can laugh at it all over again. Highly, highly recommend Brooklyn nine, nine. If you haven't seen it yet. Nice. Yeah. I have heard so many things about Brooklyn nine, nine and, and you know, a lot of it came when it got canceled the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Like and just the groundswell of support it had, and and it, and it eventually ended up back on another network, which was just shocking because you see shows get canceled all the time, and sure, it's unfortunate, but uh, that's a passionate fan base. It really is that in totally. that in Clone Wars fans, like really impressively devout to their shows, and uh, both in both cases brought them back from the dead. So. Uh, that's amazing, and that's another one that I've genuinely been like, okay, I gotta start that one. Well, I, I, I think the thing that really gave it a lot of credence recently was this uh, Twitter page called, um, I think it's called Out of Context Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh no! <laughs> and they just post random screenshots of the show, and it turns out to be like super accessible and relatable to the situation. And one of them is this this character who shows up and he's really, really eccentric and he does these really weird, crazy stuff, like even more crazy than the normal stuff you see on this show. And um, probably about six months to a year before COVID, you know, hit the world by storm, this show had a sequence where this guy's got a whole bunch of tattoos all over him. And one of the biggest tattoos he's got on his left shoulder, in all caps with three exclamation points, says, buy toilet paper. <laughs> and then the, the main character, Andy Samberg's character, Jake, says, I hate to think of the horrific event that led to a reminder of this size. Oh, it, it, it's almost like... That is too close to home. It's almost like it predicted this crap. Like, it's so funny how, like how close to home it hits without even trying. And I think that's the beauty of the show is it is like, it's like intentionally and simultaneously coincidentally brilliant. My gosh. Like it's, it's so much fun. And what's funny is the character that's got the tattoos on him is actually, um, 
a, a guest on Parks and Recreation and another NBC comedy called The Good Place. Oh, my God. So this guy has been, like, making the rounds on different sitcoms, and I enjoy him in each one of them. He's he's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah, and that's another series, The Good Place, that I, I want to get yeah. into. Yeah, The I've Good Place so is good worth things. checking out. The Good Place is definitely worth checking out, but I think that is best saved for another episode. We still have The Clone Wars to talk about, man. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I guess <laughs> it's time for me to go to my number two. Mm-hmm. My second one. It's time to go my number two and, and maybe go maybe go number one while you're in the restroom. Who knows? I, I'm not even gonna fight it this time. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep going and ignore it. Maybe it goes away. <laughs> um uh so my second one is a show that I have been a cheerleader for for so many years. This is the first TV show because like growing up I would watch TV shows with my parents stuff like that, and you know, I grew up on certain shows. And, you know, but I never, like, devoted myself to, like, watching a show every single week. You know, it wasn't until Clone Wars came along that was really, like, into it every single week. But, you know, I don't even count Star Wars because I, I'm devoted to Star Wars nonetheless. I'm a, I'm a total Disney shill. I was a Disney shill before there was even a thing called Disney shill. But, so, with this new show that came out, right after I got into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I was like, okay, this is my chance. And yes, this show has had its ups and downs, but I think overall it's been really strong showing. It has, and I actually lied because this one has several seasons under its belt and one more still to go. And it's on streaming. I believe all the episodes are on uh, Hulu right now, so you can go watch them right now if you have Hulu. But uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh is a show that a lot of people, I think, dismissed out of hand. I think it deserves a second chance. I think it did a lot of really good stuff. I'm not saying the show is perfect by any means necessary. It's got it's had its downs. Oh boy. But but I think it had some of the strongest and most consistent storytelling in TV I've seen. And I love the way it's structured. I love what it's done and you know, it takes the character of of Phil Coulson who we know from the movies who died and makes him even better in my opinion. He's a more layered character and does some more interesting things and yes, even though it's technically in the MCU, this show just goes off on its own and it really embraces just being wacky and oh, weird it and comic future at some point, doesn't it? it? There is time travel involved. There is a lot of time travel in the last couple seasons. Um, so, and they are transported in the future, and that's, I think, some of the best stuff. Um, it's insane. Well, it's, it's, it's really almost like a clean slate for the show at that point. Like, you've, you've spent years building these characters... And then you thrust them into a new environment and see what happens. Yeah, well, and, and see, there's so many diverse things. There's, you know, the LMD arcs where they are creating, like, robots that look exactly like humans. And then they start replacing real humans with these LMDs. And then there's a network that they get sucked into and they have to escape from. And if you die in the network, you're actually, you know, dying in real life. Then there's a part where there's a, a monolith that liquefies, that takes somebody to another planet. They think she's dead, and she's not. It's There's so many things, so many brilliant ideas they do. And what's great about it is that it's not like a season-long thing where it's like you have one problem, and they spend the entire season fixing it. It's, especially in the middle seasons, it's they'll introduce something happening in episode one of season four, and then... You'll carry on for two, three, four episodes, and then that problem will be resolved. But it will lead to another problem 
that they have to solve. And it ultimately is connected to the first one, and it kind of rolls into this and just keeps going. So you get these small payoffs throughout the season, so you're not waiting, you're not just watching an episode. Like, I got, not to throw shade at another show, but like, I get, I, I gave up on the Flash TV show. I oh, love that show, but oh, I yeah. gave up on it because that show just became of the only interesting episodes were the season premiere and the season finale. There was nothing happening in between, and you would get like a bunch of fluff and then five minutes at the end where they're actually doing some storytelling to further the plot, and nothing happened. And I was like, I'm done with this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, thing. I'm spoiled on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was actually doing it really well and was moving the plot forward in a way that it keeps you engaged. Something's happening, you know, every few episodes you get a big payoff, something huge happens, and then you keep going. And there's just so much happening, you know, you, you, if you're familiar with the movies, obviously the entire Hydra subplot is played out, but it's from their point of view, some of the best stuff, and it keeps going from there, and it gets more insane. There's aliens, they go to other planets, they're, they're planet hopping across the galaxies, they're time travel, they go to the far future that's after the planet's been destroyed and all this kind of stuff and then they go to the past it's insanity and it's great and it's one of the most comic booky shows out there and it's also got a really good budget and it looks fantastic especially the later seasons and it almost looks like a movie so I can't say enough about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to continue to talk I don't care how many people tell me to shut up about it I'm going to continue to talk how, how great Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is I don't care who cares? I'm I'm never gonna tell you to shut up about it. Like I I watched it off and on for a while, but I will admit that the last uh, the last season or two that I've been watching has been more or less for Chloe Bennett than anything else. Um, but everybody's got their reasons. <laughs> I hear you there. I mean, no, I'm not gonna say anything else. Not going to let the alcohol take its effect there, man. Sorry. No, 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 no. I think we just need to move on to our number ones. Yeah, because we've got other stuff to talk about and, and uh, not a whole lot of time to talk about it as I'm looking at the time continued to progress. We're almost two hours into this thing and we haven't even gotten to the main subject yet. Oh, my God. Oh, um, well, one, by all means, go for it. Number one for me should not be that much of a surprise. I have ranted and raved about this show several times over and even if it got panned during its final season it's still eight seasons of some of the best television in existence and i don't say that lightly and i don't say that with you expecting to take it with a grain of salt or anything else my number one binge choice is one that i have actually binged myself before and that is game of thrones I know that there is a lot of super adult content in there. I know that there is a lot of cussing and action and sex and all kinds of other stuff in there that may be too much for certain people. But as far as the writing goes, as far as the budget goes, the sets, the storytelling, the the direction that it goes, the world building that it has, I get lost in that show every episode. <laughs> Everything that goes on, I am just glued to the television. And I was glued the first time I watched it. I had a, an opportunity about about a two-week span between when one job finished and when school started up in the fall. Had a little bit of time in there and nothing to do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to watch Game of Thrones if it kills me, so help me God. And I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, my God, where has this been all my life? And I'm watching episode two, three, four. Next thing you know, I'm watching like five or six episodes a day and then staying up till like three in the morning or something watching it. And then I'll go to sleep. I wake up and I would start watching it again at around 11 or 12. And I'd be watching it until like two or three in the morning again. And I did that for like 10 straight days. Just nonstop watching Game of Thrones all the way through like that was the one time i can recall actually binging something that hardcore and the cool part was i got all the way up to the penultimate episode of the season to get caught up in time for the season finale happening that sunday wow so my my timing was more perfect than i could have hoped for and i watched like i want to say 67 episodes of Game of Thrones in under 10 days. Yeah. And wow. each episode feels like a 60 to 90 minute mini movie. Like that is how well written and acted and how great the sets are and how great their budget is. Like I cannot say enough good things about this show. And as much as people want to hate on season eight, I get it. The writing and storytelling was not as great as it had been in previous seasons but it finishes the story if it doesn't finish the story that you wanted it to tell that's on you but it finishes the story it gives a conclusion to something that has been building since like 2011 and i just i love every bit of it the the fighting the characters the the dragons and and uh, you know other crazy creatures that you get in this show um the, the the deception the tactics the war there's just so many things about it that is something that you can get latched onto and i even got my dad latched onto it like i was very surprised that uh i was able to get my dad into the show but that's one of those ones that he ended up binging i had the digital download codes and i would watch them digitally at home and I loaned him the discs, and he would watch them at his house, and then we would get together for, like, the, the last two episodes of the season, like episodes 9 and 10. We'd watch those together. And that became, like, a thing that we bonded over one summer. And it was it was cool. So um, I, I highly enjoyed my binge of Game of Thrones and would highly recommend it to other people as well. Yep. Good. Uh, I think that's definitely apparent. You know, Game of Thrones really speaks for itself. I mean, literally one of the biggest shows ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you talk about it like, you know, uh, every chance you get. And uh, even though... It sounds like you're annoyed by how often I talk about it. No, no, I'm saying you you convince me more and more every time you talk about it. Like, you're like, oh yeah, this is one of the best things ever. Like, okay, I believe you. I believe you. I no doubt in my mind what you're saying is absolutely true. And uh yes, eventually I will watch it. I will watch it. I promise one day. Hey, like I maybe. said, I've got them all on my Google account. All I need is like a Chromecast or a TV with Chromecast built in and I just pop that sucker up onto any TV and uh you and me we'll we'll watch that first episode, bud. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Well, 
my number one is one that, you know what, I don't need to go into too much detail on this. I think it goes without saying. I think it's one that, yes, it's a shorter option. It's a more recent option. It's a, probably a more obvious option for me. Oh, no, you're not going there. Are you, you think maybe? I don't know. I don't know what you think I'm going. I don't well, know where you think I'm you, going. When you say obvious option, shorter option, I I have a feeling. <laughs> well, okay. So, and this was running through my mind when you were ta- talking about earlier about how you wanted some longer options, and this definitely goes in line with my theme, which is shorter stuff. True. Um, but I think I think this is a plus for this, not a minus. I think Disney Plus. <laughs> I got it. Uh, walked right into that one. Yeah. Um, yep. So, The Mandalorian. Yep. What can you say? Yep. This show. It took this the the the, the, the world by storm for the last few months. I'm kind of sad that the memes have gone away. People aren't talking about it anymore because you know. Well, I love got, this. You show. got COVID to make memes of now. You don't need baby. Yoda right. Anymore. Right. We got plenty of a meme. Uh, meme therapy to go through, but uh, The Mandalorian is a show that, you know, it surprisingly ended up, like, a lot of the episodes are, like, around 30 minutes. It's not super long, but I feel like that's a plus. I feel like if you want to binge it, you could almost binge it in a day. Like, you could you knock it out and get the full story. And, and the reason I say this is that I don't think The Mandalorian is as strong as it could have been. I don't think it's, like, a tight like perfect season i think there is a couple episodes that are like eh you know it's not the best but i think they play better when they're within the confines of the season you're watching them back to back to back and getting the full story and there is a you know a progression of story and it's just amazing so i think it really pays to watch this kind of all in a row and I think you're going to want to watch it again. I think you're going to want to watch it like several times. So I think you're going to get mounds of enjoyment out of this and lots of time with it. And it's just it's just a great series. It's, it's really great. And yeah, season two is coming up in just a few months. Well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's a really, it's a great first season. And if you love Star Wars, you'll love it. But I think, I think what's amazing about it is the fact that it's so accessible I've had so many people, you know, that seemingly have no, like, experience with Star Wars, are not really into Star Wars, but they love that show. They love The Mandalorian. They love Baby Yoda, and that's a testament to it. I think that it's a great introduction to show anybody, you know, maybe you're stuck at home and you, you know, you want to introduce your girlfriend, your wife, or your husband, or, you know, your your rest, your extended family that are stuck in the house with you. You can't go anywhere. Maybe you want to introduce them to Star Wars. Well, The Mandalorian is right there, and it's, you know, it's it's really accessible to really anyone. So uh, I think from multiple standpoints, I think The Mandalorian, despite its size and length, is a darn good selection. And that's why it's my number one. Well, and, you know, I think the other cool thing about it, kind of like along the lines of what you were talking about, is not only is the content great, but it's it's super accessible. Like, it's one of those things that you can watch with just about anyone. You know, like you were talking right. about watching it with your significant other or your extended family or whatever. You know, I probably wouldn't show Game of Thrones to, say, my, <laughs> my pastor. You know? <laughs> but I would show him The Mandalorian. I would yeah. I would totally watch The Mandalorian with him or a grandparent or somebody like that. And I probably wouldn't 
Um, I probably, honestly, if I, if I'm being totally honest, there are some conservative members of my family that would not appreciate having an openly gay captain like they've got on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, I hear you there. Like, if I'm being totally honest, that's going to be a turnoff to some members of my family, and so that's probably not something that I'm going to show them. But the Mandalorian is. Just enough action to keep you interested, but not so gruesome that it grosses you out like Game of Thrones would. It's got good character development. It's got a lot of mythos and lore attached to it, but it's independent from the rest of the Star Wars universe enough that you don't have to have any context of anything else that's going on except what you're seeing on the screen in front of you. The only time, really the only time that you might need context is like the last 30 seconds of the season finale. And even then, you're you're just left going, "What was that?" Exactly. And then you you get to be the person to go, "Well, let me tell you about that." Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so even then, it's just a great conversation starter. Like I remember, okay, I remember half of watching The Mandalorian with you guys in California. <laughs> I hear you there because it's like two in the morning. It was like two in the freaking morning, and we had jet lag we were all jet lag traveling and we had already gone to ihop and target and other stuff like we were all super tired and i found a chair and passed out halfway through the episode but the communal nature of just everybody huddling around a tv with the lights off and all experiencing star wars together for the first time and all of us having different takeaways from it like that is what Star Wars is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring you together and give you a new experience than what you had had, you know, 45 minutes previous. And John Favreau and company just do a stellar job with that. So, yeah, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, now is the perfect time to do so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a great choice, man. And it's great that we're finishing uh, this top five recommendations with some Star Wars related content because we've got more Star Wars related content just on the other side of this break. That is our top five recommendations for binge worthy shows. On the other side of this break, we're going to give our review of this new arc of Star Wars The Clone Wars. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is IPC. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys. I am so nostalgic 
for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? And we're back here on the IPC podcast. Just finished top five binge-worthy recommendations from the members of our uh, Peacekeeper Corps and our patrons. Uh, those people get top billing and sometimes get exclusive billing with certain top five recommendations. So if you're interested in becoming a Peacekeeper, be sure to check us out on uh, patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast to become a patron so that you can join that Peacekeeper Corps. And uh, we've got some special people like Joey and Rachel and Dan, Parker and Carrie, and our buddy Jake, who wasn't feeling good, uh, but is apparently feeling good enough to do a live stream on Instagram. I don't know what the hell is up with that. I got. We see what you're doing over there, Jacob. I got a notification that Jake Damon is live on Instagram, and I'm like, what the hell, Jake? But uh, well, he, he, you can do you can do those live streams from bed. You can't. It's hard to do. It's hard to podcast from bed. I mean, honestly, you can just like get a recording app on your phone and get on Skype. It's not that hard, Jake. But whatever. Um, but Joey, Jake, Rachel, Dan, Parker, and Carrie all contribute financially to the show, and we super appreciate them doing that. If you're interested in becoming a patron, if you're interested in joining our Peacekeeper course, you can get access to exclusive content, scheduling, and so much more then be sure to go check us out there. And as long as you're online, go find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and find most recent episodes of this podcast with our partners over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. Yeah. Also, by the way, congrats on 10 years, dude. Thank you very much. Wow. As you can tell, a long time coming. (laughs) I mean, yeah, obviously, ten years. Like, how does it feel to have a a a Star Wars fan page slash podcast that's been around for a decade? It's it's insane. I mean, it it, it in a way it doesn't feel like ten years, and in other ways it feels exactly like ten years because <laughs> it has been a long time, and we've been at this. Hard at work, and you know we haven't been doing it all. You know that was just when the Facebook page started. Yeah. Um, and you know we since then we had the the website and the podcast like that. So it, it came slow, but still been a long time and uh, very rewarding. And uh, can't wait for the next ten because the first ten were pretty darn awesome. And uh, as you can see up on the uh, the Star Wars Underworld. Uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram um, I put, a little, put together a little collage of all the pictures and there's some of you in it there's some of Jake in it there's a bunch of a lot of people in it yeah and uh, it brought back a lot of memories for me a lot you know all the amazing things we've done over the years and uh, yeah cannot wait for the next thing because you know all, everything's up in the air now and don't know we're gonna go to celebration or right. whatever you know but uh, I have those memories and I have the hope that uh, we have so many great things coming up over the next decade. 
Well, dude, I, I've got a a house to myself now with couches and pullouts and beds and crap. Once this COVID thing lifts, maybe we just do a, a hangout in Texas where we're just watching movies and TV shows and stuff and like doing a giant Star Wars nostalgia trip together or something. <laughs> After this year, I'm going to need something. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But, um, dude, I remember the SWU when it was like – 3100 people wow like i i remember (laughs) i've told this story before but i'll tell it again i i was a big fan of the first couple of seasons of the clone wars and at that time i was on this kick of finding fan pages so that my facebook friends would know that i'm a fan of aura singh or savage oppress or Uh whatever and our buddy chris had been making a lot of those types of fan pages dedicated to clone wars characters I found a lot of those, like Cad Bane and the like, and started following them. And each one of them had, like, this this page also likes these pages, so you might also like them as well. And that's how I would find, like, like a Commander Cody and a Captain Rex fan page and, you know, different things like that. And each one recommended this site called the Star Wars Underworld. And little old innocent me from... (laughs) seven or eight years ago thought that this whole concept of star wars underworld literally meant the underworld not like the star wars underworld but an underworld with star wars in it and i was like oh my god is this like some kind of star wars black market or something what kind of (laughs) things are going on here like i didn't even click on the page for the longest time because i was like i don't know what's going on here i don't know if i want to know what's going on here (laughs) <laughs> like I probably I don't even want to know what's happening like, over there. I don't I don't know what kind of things like are they selling spice or some crap like that? I don't know what's going on over there. I'm just I'm not going to go anywhere near it. And then I found it and it was like oh <laughs> you were having quotes and caption contests and trivias on Fridays and stuff and like I ended up subscribing to the Underworld statuses via text message so that I got an update every time you guys were posting something. Like, I think at one point I I subscribed for the trivia contest and it asked, like, trivia question, how many forms of lightsaber combat are there? And I just punched in the number seven in my text message and hit send so that I could be one of the first people to respond. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. I was super hardcore dedicated and I still am, just just in a different fashion, I suppose. <laughs> but oh, those were the days, dude. To to watch you guys evolve from a little community group of about three thousand people to where you are today is just super impressive. And I am so excited for you guys, and so proud of you for another thing. And uh, like you said, it's been it's been. And a really crazy 10 years, and there's still another 10-plus to come. Who knows what's going to happen in the next decade? It really, it's, it's, I could have never imagined what happened in the last decade. I can only imagine what might happen in the next decade. So, uh... I can it's, only it's, imagine... Oh, no, that's totally different context. <laughs> Oh, man, that song makes me cry, dude. Okay. Uh, The cool thing, the cool thing is it was the Clone Wars that brought you and I together through the world. 
And it was kind of the Clone Wars and Marvel and DC and some things like that that inspired us to start the IPC podcast. And here we are almost six years later, a little little behind the SWU, but no big deal. Here we are almost six years later, and we have more Clone Wars content to talk about. How cool is that? Frickin' finally. Like, got it. Oh my gosh, we got to talk about the Bad Batch arc a few weeks ago, and now we've got this Ahsoka storyline finally completed. And I'll admit, um, I would say at least 75 to 80% of what transpired in this arc I was confused by. And, <laughs> and oftentimes befuddled that this is the direction that they went and this is the story that they told. But there were some redeeming moments in there and and some interesting plot progression that's going to lead us into the next arc, which mm-hmm. theoretically should be like the some some of the most mind blowing stuff that we have seen from this show. It's supposed to have like almost direct ties into episode three for crying out loud. And so, mm-hmm. like, I can't help but feel like maybe some of this stuff was just character development and calm before the storm type of situation and come next week and the next few weeks to come that's when things are really going to hit the ground running right I, and i kind of share some of the sentiments that i've heard around some of your sentiment in regards to you know all said and done this won't be one of my favorite arcs of the show um, I think it was fun enough. I think certain things, you know, I, I kind of question why it had to be this arc as one of the final arcs of the show. Yes. And and a lot of a lot of it's a lot yes. of unfair pressure that's being put on this because if this was just a normal Clone Wars arc, people would be like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, it's just another arc, you know. And you know, I didn't care for that one, but there'll be more. Now it's like. There's not going to be any more. I have to love this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of it's unfair because I think there is some good stuff in here and, and people keep calling this filler. And I, I think that's a not the best argument against this because, like, let's face it, Bad Batch also – I mean the Clone Wars show in, in general is mostly filler. It's mostly just – filling in the gaps between the movies, and it's kind of telling these individual different stories, and then overall, there's kind of an overarching story that's going to come to head in Siege of Mandalore. But, like, with Bad Batch, it's like, it was connecting to a previous story that was already being told, and so it kind of felt like it was consequential, but it really wasn't adding that much to the overall plot. It kind of, like, it's a kind of character study on Rex, and it was great. I really enjoyed that arc, but, like, it actually creates a loose end because it brings back Echo, who was dead, right. and brings him back. And then I'm assuming we're not going to see him again. So, like, what happens there, we don't know. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that I think the Ahsoka arc is not necessarily – it's not the fact that it's filler or whatever that's the bad thing. I think there's certain choices that they made and, and just the overall, like, like, it's a bit drawn out. I feel like it could have been a little bit tighter – I think there's one episode in particular that could have not existed at all, and th- we would have been fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and speaking of the episodes, and for those f- for just joining us, and for the record here, um, Gone with the Trace, Deal No Deal, Dangerous Debt, and Together Again are the four episodes that we're going to be talking about. And you know, they're kind of all over the place, and you know, they kind of 
I don't know. I, I really I like the characters. I like Ahsoka. I like what they do. I like a lot of different things in it, but it's kind of like putting it all together. It's kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah, that's the thing is there there are brief moments of brilliance in each episode and then other moments that just feel like why <laughs> like, <laughs> like i don't i don't mean to be like overly critical it's just i i'm I, and, and i don't mean to say the why in the sense of oh this is utter crap this is ridiculous i can't believe i wasted my time on this i'm genuinely curious like you said why this became the final product like how this ended up being decided upon as part of the final product of this final season like it it, it to me it, it makes me question the importance of the story that needed to be told along the lines of like Mace Windu and Jar Jar Binks going on a on a quest during the lost missions <laughs> like yeah. like I want to sit down with Filoni and go okay why did we need that and and why did it have to go this way why did it have to happen this way uh you know there's just a few why questions in there that I'm not saying it out of criticism. I'm saying it out of curiosity. You know, how did we arrive at this point that this was something that we needed? And my my logic for this, I understand that it's all building up to what happens in Together Again at the very end of Together Again. Like, there's a lot of character development in Ahsoka's persona that we see. There's a lot of influence that she exerts over the two sisters. Um, it was it was just it was just a lot a lot a lot of buildup for you know that one moment where you literally have five minutes to decide what the fate is going to be for one of the most important characters in the Clone Wars. Like oh my gosh, we just went through all of this and now you've got five minutes to decide what the rest of your life is going to look like. Holy crap! <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned the Jar Jar and Mace arc, like. I'll give season six a pass because it, they were basically just releasing what they had at the time. Like they were, they were creating the show as if there was going to be a season six, seven, eight, nine, you know, going on. And so like, you can forgive that season for like, you know, releasing some maybe less consequential, less epic storylines, even though I did like that arc pretty well. Um, you know, it's not the best. It's not the best the show has to offer. But with this is they, they, they like they've outlined the fact that this was specifically picked as these are the last three arcs. They're most important. And I do there's some good stuff in here. There's good stuff about the Jedi, about, you know, especially in that third episode where we get the the reveal. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen the episodes, we're gonna be spoiling the heck Oh of yeah, we're things. spoiling we're spoiling all of this, man. It's on Disney Plus, go watch and come back. Um but, like, you get the reveal that, you know, Trace and Rafa's parents were killed in kind of conjunction with something that was going on with the Jedi, and the Jedi didn't handle it very well, and they blame the Jedi for it. Well, and, and, you know, un- and it yeah, goes go all the way back to season one. That's one of the brilliant things. Again, like I said, moments of brilliance. It was such a cool concept to take a look at something that we had explored way back in the season one finale. And here we are, years later, re-examining it from another perspective. Right, right. I, I love that, and I love the kind of tearing down of the myth 
of the Jedi and understanding that the Jedi at this point had lost their way and and reaffirming why Ahsoka left. Like Ahsoka is left and I think one great thing this art does is kind of like show her in this very vulnerable state where she's kind of like, you know, she's one thing that I, I've I don't know if I've actually talked about it before on any podcast, but like you look at the bad batch arc, like it has Anakin and Obi Wan, all these clones and Rex. Ahsoka would have been there. Ahsoka would have been in that arc, involved in that battle and all that action, but she wasn't. She was off doing this. And if it seems boring, it's because it is. And I think it's getting to Ahsoka that all this is happening. She's not involved anymore. She's out of it. And I like the contrast of that and her, but also her kind of obviously thinking, what have I done? Like, have I made the wrong decision by leaving? And what she experiences with the Martez sisters is kind of like a reformation of, like, yes, she was right that the Jedi were kind of, you know, had to stick up their butt, you know, about a lot of things and (laughs) weren't really really doing what they should have been doing to help the galaxy. But, uh, you know, also by the end of this realizing that she kind of can't stay away from the action. She's going to get pulled back into it, and she can make a difference. Right, right. And and I think that's the thing that the that the sisters kind of realized towards the end of the episode is even if she's not a Jedi, she's got the training and the experience and the compassion to be able to still make a difference even without the title of Jedi. Right. And and I think right. I think that is is the cool thing because like in the middle of of that episode um together again, like Rafa's perspective is she wants to one up Ahsoka. And then when when she realizes that Ahsoka doesn't have an angle, she doesn't have a, a, a gimmick, she doesn't have something that, that she's in it for, she's just that kind of a person. She's just a genuinely nice, caring, compassionate person. When she realizes that, then her perspective of who Ahsoka is actually does change. And I think that's something that some people are missing about this arc, is that even though even though Trace it, it kind of comes across as a, as a little bit on the innocent side, by the end of the arc, she has really grown and is fending for herself. Like when they're right. when they're fighting off the, the Trandoshans at the end of that episode. Um, she, she has become more competent in her skills as a pilot. Like she has a, a development. Rafa has a development in the sense that she learns to trust people other than her sister. And that she she knows that there are ways that you can depend on other people outside of family and that sometimes you can have family that you choose and not just family by blood. And so, right. you know, not it, it's not just Ahsoka that's that's learning and growing and, and becoming more in this arc. The Martez sisters do grow. It's just it feels like slow growth because. There, there are so many instances in this arc where it feels like we're right back where we started. Like, especially in Dangerous Debt. Like, yeah. By the end of Deal, No Deal, they've been caught in a tractor beam. Beginning of Dangerous Debt, they're in a jail cell. By the end of Dangerous Debt, they're back in a jail cell. It's like, I like, like, I enjoy the episode as it is. Like, it's a fun episode. And, and you get that great scene at the beginning where... She, you get that information yes. about their parents, and it's important. Yeah, it's important. But like, that scene could have been inserted into another episode, and you take this episode out, and there's 
there's it makes no difference. Like and like what surprised me is I watched together again today, which is a great episode, but it like picks up where deal no deal leaves off, and it, and it, and even the characterization of the characters feels like oh they're just picking up where this isn't like dangerous dead didn't even happen. Like it's really weird, and I don't know. I feel like you know again. If you watch it, if you're just binging it, and you're watching them back-to-back, and you're not watching them weekly like we are, maybe it'll play better in the future. But week-to-week, it feels really weird. And I'm, I'm saying this as someone like, yes, Clone Wars is somewhat filler. It's not about, like, getting to from point A to point B. It's like how experiencing the story, but at the same time, it feels like, I don't know, the ending of that episode is like, wow, that was... A waste of time <laughs> like they end up right back where they started and it's very cyclical and I know it's, things go in cycles and everything comes back around in Star Wars but that, that was a little on the nose yeah I mean and and I just don't know if if that was what we needed in this arc either like I yeah, I, I understand the idea of of giving you some sense of unease and a little bit of a cliffhanger feeling perhaps in order to you know entice you to be excited about the next episode like i get it i get the intent but when you're talking about wanting a a a story that ends on a cliffhanger and you want to know what happens in the next episode you want more of the characters more of the story there are plenty of of other Clone Wars episodes that do that so much better. Like there are probably a couple of consecutive episodes of the Umbara arc that do that so well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would say the first episode of the Umbara arc, you're kind of hit the ground running. You're, you're getting to understand the characters and everybody's, you know, methodology, especially general Krell. And they end up getting ambushed towards the end of the episode. And they're like, still think this is a, a good idea. And it's like, I don't know. I'll let you know if, uh, we survived this particular battle or something like that. Like, you don't right. know if you're even going to come out of that battle alive and then you iris out to the credits and you're like, holy crap, what's going to happen next? Like, I think, I feel like that was the intent of the end of Dangerous Debt where you're back in the jail cell, you don't know what's going to happen next and you're supposed to be like, holy crap, what happens next? But it just, it, it feel like it, it misfired for me just a little bit and I feel like it probably happened for some other people too. Like, I get what the intent was but i feel like the execution might not have been all the way there or something yeah i i think dangerous dead and together again both feel kind of like there's so much like back and forth and it's like you're trying to get somewhere and it's just like running in place with the story i'm like waiting for something to happen that's actually meaningful yeah and you know it doesn't always happen and i think altogether it probably plays pretty well and, you know, it is a fun arc, but I think, I don't know, I, like, you get to the end, you get together, and, like, it gets really interesting when, like, Maul shows up, and, like, you get mentions of Crimson Dawn, and, like, that stuff is outrageously cool and awesome and, and fascinating, but it takes so long to get there, and you get right. so little of it. I'm like, why couldn't you either condense this into three episodes and say, okay, we're going to move the story forward to where you're getting there quicker— and then give you more of that stuff to where it feels like a better payoff, or I don't know, like do it in a way that just doesn't feel like you're, like I said, running in place with the story because I feel like there's a lot of good stuff. 
it's just so few far in between and you're left kind of you know bored with it you're kind of like waiting for something to happen and it's not yeah so so what i did today was when i got home from work i rewatched the first three episodes and i was like you know trying to see them all in 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 sequence like trying to trying to binge the entire arc together and i actually had to like get up and move around and go get a snack get a drink and whatever before i came back so that i had full attention for the new episode because all three of the previous episodes i knew what was going on i knew what to expect blah 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 right but the second time around it might not have been quite as engaging as it was the first time because i know what's happening like i was trying to find smaller nuanced stuff that i could try and appreciate a little bit more i did find a few of those things and i kind of want to talk about some of those nuances and like look at the brighter side of these episodes because there are nuggets that are pretty interesting in each of these episodes but like you said they're so spaced out that it's hard to appreciate them so i think maybe we spend a few minutes from each episode appreciating some of those those brighter spots so that we can appreciate the arc as a whole a little bit better is that cool yeah, sure. Okay, so for me, um, in Gone with the Trace, some of the some of the highlights that, that I really appreciated, um, obviously when Trace asks Ahsoka, uh, where did you learn to fight like that? And she said, My older brother taught me. Like I, oh, mean, I love that. I love God, that. my heart melted at that. I was like, Oh my god, I can't believe she just said that. Like all of the character development that we'd had between those two was like such a big moment of payoff right there in that little sequence. And then her interaction with binary load lifters, like not only the, the direct mention of something from a new hope because of three PO's programming binary load lifters, you know, you've got that little reference in there, but also Mm -hmm. the fact that Ahsoka has encountered binary load lifters before in the, what was it? The forces of destiny shorts. Right, yeah, she was there. There was in that one. She she actually encountered binary loadlifters before, and so the Clone Wars is now referencing stuff from even the shorts that they've got, and so I thought I thought that was pretty cool too. And then the the robot itself kind of had some noises that reminded me of the noises made from the robot in Lost in Space. So I mean, even the sound editing was very intentional as well. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, yeah, and I, I love, yeah, that, that Anakin moment, the, the, the whole thing, I love, probably my favorite moment in Gone with the Trace is the moment where she just steps out onto the landing platform and just looks up towards yeah. the portal. Yeah. It's this really kind of contemplative moment for her, and you can read so much emotion and so many thoughts, and like, like I was saying earlier, like, I feel like at that moment she's really, maybe even regretting, like, doing this. Like, you can imagine, like... You you live life as a Jedi. That's all you know. You have this support system. You have this giant temple to go back to that's your home. And then you walk away from that. Yeah. And you have nothing. She has nothing. Where is she going to go? She has a bike and a bag across her, you know, and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this whole moment of, like, no matter how much she believed in what she was doing and believed in leaving the Jedi was the right thing to do because they basically betrayed her. You would have that would be a gut wrenching 
decision to make and also one that she would probably immediately regret. Well, I think it's also an interesting dichotomy between what we got from her first experience with the underworld with Master Plo in season two. Right. You, you've got the two of them on the speeder and, you know, obviously we must go to the lower levels. You guys have that in your intro. Yeah, and that's where it all came from. Like, you you, you have that, that, that comparison contrast where when she is a Jedi, when she is a, an apprentice, she is descending and looking down into the depths of the underworld in that in that sequence. And the and the camera shot there is very intentional, kind of doing an over the shoulder look at, you know, the rest of the world, a world that she doesn't experience because of the safety and 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 exclusive nature of the Jedi Order and the Temple. And now at the at the end of the Clone Wars, at the end of the story, we're seeing a a shot of her looking up at the world that she left behind. She's now in that underworld. She is now standing on one of the platforms that she previously looked at years ago in what is now essentially another life. And so you get you get the the over the shoulder shot from season two, and now you kind of have a similar shot in this season looking up instead of looking down like it's very deliberate very intentional but also very subtle you kind of have to be looking for it but it's just a great comparison contrast and a great evolution of her story arc absolutely and you know and that's what this arc i think is trying to do overall is you know catch up with her yeah after she's walked down those steps and like yeah. what's life like for her right and you know the struggle of you know, she can walk away from being a Jedi, but she still has all these powers. She still has all this yep. baggage with her, quite literally, you know, c- coming coming with her, and she's still a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think even Rafa says something to the, along the lines in the last episode. She's like, you may not think you're a Jedi, but you're still kind of a Jedi. Like, you're, you're, you're still a Jedi. Right. Figuratively, you're, you're, like you're still you're still acting like a Jedi. You're being a Jedi. You're you're trying to do the right thing. And like Rafa, Rafa of all people, saying that someone who disliked the Jedi, who really disliked Ahsoka, was mistrustful of Ahsoka, coming to that point to say, "Look, you're what the Jedi are supposed to be. Like yeah. you're not what those guys consider to be a Jedi, but you are a almost a true Jedi." Right. And I think that's the other cool thing is. By stepping away from the order and getting a, a bigger perspective of the world around her, she's more in tune with the situation that everyday people in the galaxy face as opposed to what the Jedi generals are looking at in the the perspective of the Clone Wars and even as keepers of the peace. Like they get brought in to handle big political negotiations and things like that. Even before the war started, it was like trade disputes and things like that. You know, they were they were talking with monarchies and aristocracies and and big governments and stuff. They weren't dealing with everyday minutia like what you've got with the Martez sisters. And so now Ahsoka is so much more hands on with the with a finger on the pulse of the life of the underworld, which is so much more than what any other Jedi could even hope to have perspective on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that and that's the thing that, you know. These Jedi, they're up in their temple, and and if they're not in the temple, they're out fighting a war and trying to save the galaxy, and doing it for the right reason, even though they are playing the game of a Sith Lord. Right. You know, they're they're still trying to do the right thing, and you can understand it. From the same time, they are so blinded by their own hubris 
and you know even before like you know you have in episode one they're talking about you know Anakin and Shmi are slaves yeah and they're like the Republic doesn't exist out here like you know you know Jedi really should be out there doing it. and then even Qui-Gon the maverick you know go against the council Jedi here he's like I didn't come here to free slaves. Like that's yeah. not a that's not a Jedi's point of view. That's what the Jedi be- become. But the Jedi should be doing that. Like you know, and Ahsoka gets to that point where like in the episode where where Rafa's like, oh yeah, those aren't slaves. They're you know they're workers or whatever, and and they wouldn't allow slavery. And Ahsoka like, you'd think they wouldn't, but they do. Well, and that's the other thing is she has had some hands on experience with slavery because of the. One, one of the previous arcs that, that she was a part of. I forget what it was called, but it was... The, it was the Zygerian. Yes, the Zygerian arc. She actually got a taste of what slavery looked like. And, like, I think that was another cool element of, of her bond with Anakin. Like, she got a taste of the life that he actually lived. And so, like, yeah. the, the, two yeah, of, exactly. the two of them, their bond, like, grew really, really strong there. And that bond was exemplified... In Deal No Deal, which I found to be a really, really creative and well done sequence that mirrored what we got in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I I like a lot about this episode. And what's the where and you're talking about, of course, the the moment where Ahsoka they get out and Ahsoka senses Anakin and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, and, and wonderful moment. Yularen is like, "Should I go and arrest them?" And he's like, "No, it's nothing." Like he 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 knew it was something, but he also knew that if this is something that she has to do, then he can't get involved. But at the same time, it had that 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 very very similar uh, idea. And, and, and what's what's interesting is in Return of the Jedi. Vader is letting them go so that everything can play out the way that it's supposed to. Like, yeah. he, he knows that he's going to go down to the surface. He's going to meet Luke. He's going to X, Y, Z. Like, he, he lets them go through so that things can play out. What he does in this one is he lets them go through so that Ahsoka can play things out on her own. And I really think that's a, a big, mature moment for Anakin is – you know, in in the Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order arc, he takes a lot of personal responsibility. He tries to get really involved. He's very hands-on. And yet in this moment, he takes the hands-off approach and lets her go be her own person. That is a huge character development piece for Anakin and very subtle because everybody's so focused on it mirroring Return of the Jedi. But honestly, his reasons for letting them go are very different depending on the circumstance. He's letting Ahsoka go so that he can be hands-off. He lets the shuttle go down to Endor so that he can be hands-on and go and meet Luke. So Yeah, he, he knows he knows that Luke is just going to fall into the Emperor's trap. Right. And, you know, as, and is going to eventually come to him and that everything's going to work out in his favor, whereas Anakin in that moment is letting go. Right. He's, he's succeeding at the test that... Yoda put forth at the beginning of the Clone Wars, in which was movie, yes, in the movie where you know he said like, look, you know, Anakin has these problems with letting things go and and having attachments. Well, let's give him a Padawan so that you know 
to have a Padawan is hard, but letting go of that Padawan is even harder. It's something he's got to learn, and he learns it in this moment. Yep, yep. It's it's a it's a great watershed moment for their relationship because he he senses something in the force. He senses that that I mean I, it, it's pretty it's pretty clear that that he knows that I, I mean it, it it has to be like he has to know that it's Ahsoka and yeah and then oh, he ha- and then he has to know that he has to let her go and he actually does it by calling off the arresting party like it's a watershed moment for Anakin as much as it is a character development moment for Ahsoka. It's so well done. Yeah, it really is. And then uh, the the other element that, that appears towards the end of this episode and is really prevalent in episodes three and four is Ahsoka's hesitation to use her Jedi powers and trying to be very timely in the way that she does it. Like, right. toward, towards the end of, of uh, Deal No Deal, she's using a mind trick on Mark Krim in order to try and get out of the the tight spot and then in the in the other episode um dangerous debt you know she's she's using her powers to deactivate the force fields to do the toppling of the boxes pushing trace using her force jump lifting the pikes into um into the shot so that trace has a shot at them like every time she's doing that, she's trying to be subtle. She's trying to make sure that nobody's watching. She's trying to like meet the the middle ground area where she's being effective, but she's not being obvious. And yet somehow she was obvious enough to garner the attention of the Death Watch that just so happened to be on the same planet that she was. Seemed a little coincidental for me, but also... A, a nice connection that allowed you to to realize what was supposed to happen next in her story. Right, right, and, and you know I do like all that. I like, you know, I like all the inner workings of that, and I think that's a really strong point of this entire arc. Yeah, yeah. Her 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 force powers are something that she needs to use, but she she needs to keep it under wraps at least until the final episode like by the time like by the time you you see her like quote-unquote sacrificing herself and then escaping and realizing that maul is the orchestrator behind all of this at that point she starts behaving more and more like a jedi oh yeah she goes straight into that mode of and she she kind of like struggles with the door the first time she does it in the previous episode. Yeah, and then she like just she it's... Says, she's like she's got one shot at this. I'm like, really? Yeah, really? You're gonna say I got one shot at this? No, girl, you don't got one shot at this because you. And she just don't... straight up does it. Yeah. Like as soon as the guard walks away in this episode, she just goes for yep. it, unlocks the door, walks away, yep. and she's in covert mode, and it's it's great. Also. How was the weapons locker that unlocked that she could just walk right into it? Did did I miss her pushing a button and getting access to that area as well? I don't know. Yeah, that was that was interesting. It was, like, it was were... like the blast door is just open for her, like open sesame. Like she had to have manipulated it somehow because the pikes can't possibly have a weapons locker that easily accessible. That's just ridiculous. And this is like the third time she's escaped. Like yeah. you know, it it, it, it you think like it took them that long to put her in handcuffs. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, also true. 
but <laughs> I think I think it was it was an interesting contrast between Deal No Deal, where she got into the tower and took out five guards in the tower, and then she's in the the control room in Together Again, and she does take out probably about five or six pikes, but they get so many reinforcements that even somebody as powerful as Ahsoka still gets outnumbered, and that ties back to i want to say season one with the hondo onaka count dooku arc Uh like even count dooku like raises his hands and is like know that you're dealing with a sith lord and hondo's got like 20 people pointing guns at him he's like you're still outnumbered (laughs) it's true even even a sith even with somebody as much jedi power and training and 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 parkour skills as ahsoka it's not going to get you out of every situation. There are still going to be times where you're outnumbered. And I think it was a good testament to knowing the limitations of your abilities. Like, even even with everything that she's capable of, she still has limitations. And she still yeah. has to rely on help from others, which is why it was so cool that no matter what their intentions were, I thought it was cool that Rafa and Trace had like grown as characters enough to try and find a way to get back to her. Their intentions, their intentions may have been different, but the fact that they grew enough that even though Ahsoka literally gave them a door out, like just get out of here, go as far away as you can, as fast as you can, just get out of here. They still found a way back to her and helped her kind of escape slash save the day. Right. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I like that I like that Rafa catches on to it, you know, Trace being kind of this more naive character. She's like, Well why would Soka do that? But like Rafa's like, No, you, you do realize what she did. Like that should, you know, be, she... that should be obvious, sister. Come on. <laughs> but uh and, and then Rafa's, you know, naturally starts softening on Ahsoka. Like she realizes what she actually did and you know, it's a bit more tragic from her standpoint because she doesn't realize that. Oh yeah, Ahsoka is a Jedi. She can she can take care of herself for the most part. Right. But uh, she still doesn't get away with it, and, and you know they all help out in the end. Yep. Yep. Okay. I got I got to make one more mention of something in together again. I don't know if you caught this, but I did. The the fight between Rafa and the Trandoshan manager. Um, mm. Did you did you notice what the Trandoshan actually kind of sounded like at certain times? No, I didn't. Some of the the screeches and squeals and exclamations that that he makes actually sounded like the same type of sounds we get from velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Really? Like one of one of the one of the screeches sounded like the one that you hear when one of them enters the kitchen in the first Jurassic Park and then um there's there's a a barking sound that he makes right before um, Rafa releases the crane that sends him down to his demise, and that bark sounds kind of like the bark type of call that they make in Jurassic Park Three. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this because I love it when they reuse sound effects and put those Easter eggs. In. Yeah, that's like, great. I, I I caught on to that pretty pretty quick. I was like, wait a second. I know I know that you've got like some some raptor like tendencies, some some reptilian tendencies but that's just a little too on the nose and that was that was pretty cool to hear so yeah that's great definitely definitely worth worth catching on to um so i know i know we're running short on time let's let's go into final thoughts particularly the final segment 
of the last episode together again, Bo-Katan shows up and there's actually a, a little bit of a rebels hearkening with her, with her company. Isn't there? Well, yeah. So, uh, one of the, the, the night owls, the other Mandalorians that's with Bo-Katan is none other than Ursa Wren, who shows up in star Wars rebels later after this actually takes place as Sabine Wren's mother. And she's actually voiced by the same voice actress, oh. which is a pretty nice little 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 addition there. You kind of have to be looking for it, but that's a that that's a that is a really cool tie-in because uh, the clan clan Ren's uh, d- dedication in Rebels was was a really really nice element, a nice addition to the show, in my opinion. And to to know that she's being included in what transpires in the Siege of Mandalore and what's going on in the Clone Wars, like it just it gives a little bit more depth to Clan Wren. And you can't help but wonder if like in the next arc, Ursa's gonna make some mention of her daughter at some point. It could be because Sabine potentially could already be born at this point. Right. Um. Because Ezra, I think she's a little older than Ezra, and Ezra is born like the day the empire is formed. Right. So, so he's, he's, you know, you know, a few days away from being born. She's probably, you know, a couple years old at this point. Right. Um, I I always assumed she was around like 12 to 24 months older than Ezra. Like not by much, but had a little bit more maturity to her. So yeah, Yeah. like at, at this point you could hear Ursa saying something to the effect of, I've got a daughter to fight for or something like that. Yeah, like just yeah, could happen. just a very very subtle nod, but it would be enough for us to be like, ah, that's Sabine. So that would yeah. That... I I love that they're using this final season to kind of fill in the gaps with rebels. You know, um, you know, you've got uh, you know, you got Kanan possibly showing up as Caleb Doom, little Caleb Doom, in one of the trailer shots. Mm. Um, and then mm-hmm. you've got or I got Anaxis showing up, which shows up later in Rebels, and yeah, it's great. Okay, so going into final thoughts about the arc as a whole, but also about that final moment, um, what did what did you make of that 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 moment with Bo-Katan and, and the rest of the Night Owls in relation to Ahsoka's decision? Obviously, we knew that that was a decision she was going to make because of what we knew from the trailers and everything. Exactly. But but what it what did it mean for her character and what did it mean for the conclusion of this arc for it to go the way that it did did it affect the way that you perceived this arc because of how it concluded or did it perceive the like change the way you perceived uh ahsoka by her decision to go and and make a jedi type decision even though she stepped away from the order like what are what are your what are your thoughts on on this arc and and how it concluded it was it was great. For one, it kind of surprised me because you think about in the context of this show, there's not been many times, if any, where a arc ends, a four-episode arc ends, and at the tail end we get a tease for the next arc. This is true. Usually it's, you know, like we'll have like there are arcs that connect together, but usually like they're seasons apart. Like we get like a Mandalore arc. And that was it for that season. We would get that Mandalorian story, and then we pick up with it for the next season. This right. is a direct reference and a continuation for what's going to be happening in the next episode, in the next arc. It's going to be leading into the finale, um, which is something that the Clone Wars really doesn't do: is have like this direct, like 
you know, storyline beats that continue on to the next episode and the next arc. So that was surprising, and just, you know, having Bo-Katan finally show up, and, you know, her, I love her character. It's been way too long since we've seen her. And the, the, the Night Owls, and as we were saying, you know, Ursa Wren, and all this kind of stuff, all these great connections, and, uh, you know, ultimately, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the big thing. It's the, you know, we're understanding now that it, uh, Sith is about to hit the fan, quite literally. Yeah, just about. Just about. Um, I, I think that's an interesting point. I hadn't really considered that, is that the way this arc finished, it drops off in a place where you know that the next arc is going to pick up where that one left off. I, I don't I don't think this show has consecutive story arcs like that that are back to back like as far as like a, a continual like serial progression of what had happened. Basically, by ending it this way, it almost turns it into an eight episode arc instead of two four episode arcs. It really does kind of feel like the same arc. The closest thing to this we've had before is the Geonosis arc from 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 uh, season two. Remember that arc where it starts with Senate Spy, and then there is a continual storyline that goes all the way through to Brain Invaders. And it's like five or six episodes. It starts in Senate Spy? Really? Well, it's it's Padme is going to find... She's getting close to Clovis so that she can find out what's going on with the droid factory. And she finds out about the Geonosis droid factory in that episode. And then which- it, which leads to landing at Point Rain. Exactly, the next episode where they're leading the invasion. So there's this direct thing, and there, all the episodes kind of deal with different things about Geonosis, but it's all dealing with the same direct storyline. And that's the closest we've ever gotten. This feels like it's going to be like, in, like you're saying, an eight-episode arc where we're introduced to Ahsoka, we're, we're showing kind of her mundane life where she gets caught up in this really crazy scheme and then eventually gets found by the Mandalorians who are going to pull her into this conflict. Yeah, so if if we're including Senate Spy in this arc, then it's like a five-episode storyline that kind of goes together. But after Brain Invaders, it goes into Grievous Intrigue and the Deserter, which I don't right. think those two are related to the Geonosis story, are they? Completely just a duology all to their own, back in cl- classic Clone Wars fashion. Right, right. Steven's theory says that the Bad Batch arc might be in between this and the Siege of Mandalore given that Anakin is on Coruscant. That, and that, see, that's the thing I think they confirmed in the episode, guys, is that Anakin's on Coruscant, and I think we're meant to assume that this happens maybe not too long after she leaves the temple. Like, she, you know, it's, it's kind of in that thing, and then she gets caught up and then comes back. Or maybe not because she's going back now. She's been away now we know the path she's on leads back to Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and, and Rex. Well, yeah, because like in the in the teaser trailer, like they, they have that conversation with the with the hologram projection where she's a little bit older and, and she's like, hello, master. It's been a while. Like, where does that come into play? I'm wondering I'm wondering if we could flash forward like the next episode is them catching up and like Anakin and Obi-Wan are still on an axis. Like, it's after the Bad Batch have left, and we get the hologram of them coming in. It kind of puts everything into perspective of, like, oh, yeah, this has all been happening concurrently, maybe. Oh, I see. Maybe. Interesting. 
Interesting. Well, I mean, I'm still excited for the arc regardless. <laughs> like having having Paul oh, yeah. and having Ahsoka and having Rex, having the Night Owls. Like I just love Night Owls. Like I'm a Night Owl. Such a cool design. Like, like like taking the Mandalorian helmet and then redesigning it into that, just brilliant. Well, and just the name. I'm 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 totally a Night Owl. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at look there. at me. Look at me. I'm podcasting and it's after midnight on the East Coast, like this is this is nothing for me. I feel you there. But let's let's go ahead and do just final thoughts on the on the arc overall and what our score would be for these four episodes. I guess we're doing like an aggregated score. Like, what do we think? Like, what's our score for the whole arc? Is that how we're doing it? I guess I can't remember what we did last time, and I don't I care. Think, I think I think it was, I think it was just a score for the whole arc. Like we were right. we were looking at the Bad Batch arc, and what I we take arcs of. as like movies unto themselves. So like. You know, score like less. I mean, that's kind. Of, that's kind of what the Clone Wars movie was. Was it was just a giant arc that they strung together. It is exactly what it was. It was four episodes that they put together. Yeah, more or less. So that that's. I think that's fair. Okay. Well, then, what what would what would your planet score be for this entire arc, then, dude? My um. Okay, so overall, I enjoyed this arc. I think it could have been tweaked a little bit. And and to be quite honest, I, I think it could have been replaced completely with another arc that possibly could have played more and done the same thing, but, you know, played more into the overall story and just given us something more epic. But at the same time, I appreciate this arc for what it is. I think I like the Martis sisters, both of them. I like their quirkiness and, you know, a lot, a lot of humor and stuff like that. And, and I, I love Ahsoka. Just seeing her back and having her back in these episodes was phenomenal. And I cannot wait for next week, where we finally get into the Siege of Mandalore. It's going to be fantastic. But for right now, this episode, and these episodes, this entire arc for me, is going to come down to, I'm going to give it a solid 7. Not, I have my issues and gripes, but overall, I did enjoy it. Okay, that's fair. I was actually thinking around a 7 as well, because like there are there are some story elements that I wasn't super excited about or i was i was frustrated about certain lines that they gave or something like like that whole thing where she's in the cell block she's like i got one shot at this i'm like no you don't like what kind of cheesy cop-out half-assed writing is that like that's just oh my gosh um and then there were some other elements that made me feel like and and please don't make this about sex just make it about storytelling please but there were some elements of this story arc that made me feel like we could have seen a like in, in another universe we could have seen a young Han Solo doing all of this. Well, that's the theory. That's the theory that you know, and that's the thing that I've been saying all along is that this was gonna be Han Solo. It, um, I, I can... I'm not saying I would have been. A, I would have not liked that. At the same time, I'm not sure how the how it works out timeline wise. We do get right. some solo connections in there. So the, the the timeline and the logistics don't make a whole lot of sense. But the the whole thing about the visit to Kessel and the building a ship from scratch and having mobsters and gangsters that are like already putting pressure on you, like Han deals with that a lot in the original trilogy. And then what really got to me was when they lost the rear deflectors in the last episode and Trace pulls a Han Solo by like, OK, if we don't have any deflectors, I'm going to go where we do have deflectors. And 
turns around and moves into attack position, which is basically the exact same maneuver that Han pulled in Empire Strikes Back. Right, right. Like there, there are there are a lot of of striking similarities that I don't know if that was meant to be like something that a young Han actually does, or if it's just supposed to be one of those little Easter eggs. It's like, oh yeah, Han Solo did that in Empire Strikes Back. That's cool. Because Han Solo himself is like an archetype character in Star Wars. Like a lot of characters are designed around Han Solo. Like yes, Poe Dameron is kind of Han Solo. Rey is kind of like a, you know, a little bit Han Solo in her. There's a lot of characters that are, are like that. So there's a lot of Han Solo in uh, Trace. I don't know if that's intentional or it's the fact that she was Han Solo in some form or the thing or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I like her as a character. I would have loved, I mean, it would have been great to see Han in this thing. Um, I don't know, her, him interacting with Ahsoka after he had already interacted with Chewie and she had interacted with Chewie and all this kind of stuff would have been crazy, but also Clone Wars. Yeah, that's also true. That's also true. But, I mean, that, here, here's the thing. Overall, I feel like I enjoyed certain moments in the arc more than I liked the arc itself. I, I hear you. Like, I enjoyed the My Older Brother Taught Me moment. I enjoyed the the scene with Anakin where he lets her go in the next episode. I enjoyed the use of her force powers discreetly and secretly in the third episode. And I enjoyed the payoff with, with Maul and, and, um, and the Mandalorians. Like there, there were certain elements within each episode and within the story as a whole that contributed to Ahsoka's character that contributed to the the lore of who the Jedi are and what they represent and how they're viewed by common folk, um, the the criminal element of the underworld, like there there are good pieces of it. It just doesn't always feel very cohesive, and some of that has to do with storytelling, some of that has to do with writing, some of that has to do with characters, et cetera, et cetera. And overall, it's it's interesting and it gives us more Ahsoka, which is always welcome. It just it wasn't it wasn't as gripping as other arcs that I've seen. And so it served its purpose and I'm excited for what's next, obviously. But I think I'm with you. It's probably somewhere in the range of like a seven out of ten. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. Now, one of the elements that I did really enjoy is actually tying directly into our quote of the night. We we mentioned the the payoff and and the. The, the, the big reveal in the fourth episode, which is together again. Once Ahsoka breaks out of prison again, she sees uh, a, a holographic projection of Maul. Yeah. Not, not Darth Maul, just Maul. But uh, we see him having a, a conversation with Mark Krim, who is voiced by our friend Stephen Stanton, by yes, the way. Yes, brilliantly. Like, he did a, he did a fantastic job bringing that character to life um but you see that conversation and you recognize that there is is more at stake than just the spice and uh you know you mentioned crimson dawn and all that sort of stuff but it's just so much better to hear it from the horse's mouth you know and yes so uh that's that's gonna bring us to this evening's time where we shut up and let you listen to tonight's quote of the night 
delay does not change things. We will proceed as planned. You are but one small piece moving in this mechanism which I have designed, and yet, when you falter, it jeopardizes everything. Do you understand? I understand that the Republic is cracking down on my operations. Just a week ago, they raided one of my shipments arriving on Coruscant. Well, there, Jedi. I don't know. None of my men made it out. Hmm. Well, then the answer is yes. to make that clear to him? I think it was also really interesting that I, I, for some reason, I always thought that holographic projections meant you could only be in direct contact with like one or two people or kind of like in the, the council chambers in Revenge of the Sith where you're seeing like smaller projections of the people that you're talking to. But in this instance, Maul is able to look away from... The, the one or two people that he's conversing with and look over the balcony and be able to like sense that there's somebody else there. Like... Uh, okay. Here's the deal. Holograms in star Wars make no damn sense. That's true. Cause look, look, pay attention when in the movies, in the clone wars, especially any of pay attention to when like someone will be talking and you'll have them, and then, like, they're holding out, like, the, the, the hologram projector is either on a pedestal, or they're, like, tiny in somebody's hand, and they're talking to someone, and then the reverse is true for them, and they're talking to and the eye lines, you know, just from looking at it, that the eye lines wouldn't match up, that someone looking at a tiny version of someone else wouldn't be looking at them straight in the eyes, it would be different. But it just works, and it doesn't. That that took me out of the episode when she, he starts looking over. I'm like, is he seeing like a holographic projection of the entire room around him? If so, right. we've never seen that in Star Wars before. Like that, right. that that's not a thing. Like we, you see, right. you know, a hologram projector, and uh, you know, it's it's just one person or a few people. So uh, that was that was kind of weird. But like, it's 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 the same thing with the Force. It's you know. People only sense other people when it's convenient for the plot. You know, you know, Obi-Wan is hanging out as a bounty hunter around Dooku for so long as Reiko Hardeen, and Dooku <laughs> never senses him. Never, never picks up. Like, how is he able to actually mask his, his Force presence? Like, I never understood and, that. And, like, like, again, same character, Obi-Wan, shows up on the Death Star in the Millennium Falcon. Vader immediately picks up on it. 
He's like, I sense something. There's something here. Well, okay, but Anakin's bond to Obi-Wan is different than two unrelated Force users like Dooku and Obi-Wan. True, true. But you're just try- you're just you're just being an apologist now. I mean, that maybe a little bit, but uh, come on, man. They were like brothers. Like, it's, it's true. It's true. Dooku wasn't even like the the grumpy grandpa of the group. Like they they didn't have that same kind of connection. But I get I get where you're coming from. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's kind of weird. But at the same time, it made for an interesting moment for anybody that's not over analyzing it because you're like, oh, Ahsoka almost got busted there. And this is the first time I think that An- Ahsoka and Maul have interacted because we see them in Rebels and they they have this implied history, but they never actually meet in Clone Wars. Um, so this is kind of the first time. Until now, until you know their fight, fateful meeting, and as you see in the trailer, you know Maul showing up. I was hoping for Kenobi. Where are you here? Mm-hmm. Which is it's going to be it's, that that that's going to be another interesting element. Is like a little bit of pride issue potentially going on there, and just the over, the the whole point of seeing Ahsoka and Maul face off. The fact that Ahsoka is a Jedi Knight, but she's not. She's away from Lady Order. Maul is a Sith Lord, but he's not. He's been rejected by his master and is off on his own. They're both right. like just outcasts from their own respective orders. Well, and, and it's yet, almost like they both have something to prove as well. Right. And it's just like they're just they've been kind of both manipulated, but also just kind of out for themselves in a way. It's gonna be a weird dynamic. I'm 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 very curious about to see like what each of those characters is going to want from that. What are they trying to do? What does Maul want? What does Ahsoka want? Why are they fighting? It's going to be great. There's there's still a lot to look at, and I, th- I think the cool thing about it is, like you mentioned, they're both kind of in a gray area, and we're really going to be able to do it like a test of character and a test of strength to see just where these two characters are at when they end up clashing with one another. So Exactly. Excited for that and excited for what's still to come, but that's not going to be our discussion tonight. That that is that is a discussion for about four weeks from now. So be sure to keep listening to this podcast because there's there's more Clone Wars discussion where that came from for oh, sure. Heck yeah! Now we do um, we do want to remind you that you can find those episodes on StarWarsUnderworld.com. You can also find them on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. And our hosting site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Pod like podcast, bean like green bean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And we're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ipcpodcast. And we got some personal stuff that you can follow us on as well. We'll get to that in just a second here. But first, we've got a little anecdote to share with you guys before we call it a night. There's several of you still legging it out with us live here on channel1138.com. So if you're listening live, go ahead and put it in the chat. And if you're not listening live, then put it on those social media platforms that we just mentioned because it's time for another rousing edition of everyone's favorite food-related segment on the IPC podcast. It's time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 
So with this whole COVID-19 thing that we are still enduring, it's it's pretty obvious that the consumption of barbecue has I don't know if it's evolved, but it's changed in it's, recent weeks. It's it's a whole adapt to survive thing that, that has yeah, happened. That's a good way of putting it. And you're kind of on the front lines. You mentioned being essential personnel. Food servicing is very essential for people right now who are not mm-hmm. interested in cooking at home. They want takeout, but they're not being able to have it at a restaurant or whatever. So give us an update, dude. Share with us some of the stuff that's going on at your barbecue restaurant and how you guys are adapting to this new situation. Well, yeah, I, I've referred to this you know, a little bit in the past, and I, I've told you guys, look, go out and support your local businesses and do that, and a lot of you have been doing that. And I think what's interesting about now is I feel like a lot of people are we're, we're deep into this whole social distancing, stay at home, and you still should keep on doing that as long as possible because it, it, it is making a difference. Um, but people are starving, perhaps quite literally at things, for normalcy, for something normal. And they want to yeah. go out to eat, they want to do this, and you, you can't. But you can still go out and get food. Um, the other day, and I'll give a shout out, it's not a small business, but it's still cool. Um, Cracker Barrel, for those who don't know, they're, at least my local one, which is like five minutes from my house, is serving like most of their menu to go. And it's really good. Like they pack it up, they bring it to your car, and it's great. Like Sunday dinner last week was amazing. I like I got everything that I usually get at Cracker Barrel, but to go at home, and it was great. So I highly recommend that. But related to that, for our own business, we kind of made the decision, and based on some regulations by our city and state local officials decided that we wanted to close the inside of the building and not let anyone in. So that means that all transactions with food have to be taking place outside. Well, how do you do that? Well, the current system that we have here is that people come up, they pull into the parking lot, they stay in their car, they call a number and say, hey, I want this, this, and this, and then they wait for a few minutes. We fix it, and then... Yours truly goes out with every single order and goes to their car, gives them their food, takes their money, goes back in. If they have a card or cash or whatever, processes it, bring it brings it back out, and they're on their way. So mm. it's a very complicated process. It's very lengthy. It's very tiresome, and it keeps you on your edge. But it's been working, and... People, I mean, as, as, as stressful and kind of weird as it's been to kind of adjust to this, people have been very supportive and very appreciative of us because a lot of places are just closed down. And right. we really can't. We've just kind of stuck this through. Okay, we need to keep moving. We need to keep in business. So we're going to do this. Right. Um, right. And, you know, it's been working. Um, I'm not sure what next week holds. We're just kind of taking it one day at a time. But, like, you know, people have been really 
you know, I think they appreciate just something. I can still go to my barbecue place and get my food, and that's one thing in my life that can stay the same. And uh, some people appreciate it, like, hey, I don't have to get out of my car. I'm like, yeah, I don't get used to this. <laughs> but, right, right. Uh, it has not been unless working. You're willing, not unless you're willing to tip like they do at Sonic and stuff. Well, and people have been very generous about that too. I, I would be cool. quite honest. So there has been cool. a lot of very generous people, a lot of patient people because it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it takes a lot of time to kind of like process orders and get them out the door and then bring them back in. And, and it's so many moving pieces mm. and it takes a while. And people are very patient, very friendly, very appreciative, very generous. And, uh, you know, I think with anything, you know, this is what we're experiencing right now is, is terrible. It really is. People are dying. And people are sick, and you know it's going to keep going for a while. But in the end, it does. It yes, it brings out the worst in some people, but for most people, it brings out the best in them. It brings out the best in humanity. When terrible things happen, the good rises to the top. So you know, and I've been especially encouraged and very tired, but encouraged that you know this is going to be all right. And, you know, this is working, and we're providing a service to people. We're providing a comfort to them, and, and they're supporting us. And, uh, and I hope more businesses across the country and across the world are experiencing the same thing because, you know, the economy is kind of in the dump right now. We need some help. Yeah. And it's not good, and a lot of businesses are suffering terribly from this. But uh, hopefully in the near future or as soon as possible we can get back on our feet and, uh, you know, get back to normal or, or at least partially. Well, I, I have a feeling that we're going to end up quoting Harley Quinn from suicide squad. Normal's just a setting on the dryer. <laughs> that is perfect. Like I, I, I have a hard time telling exactly what's going to be normal anymore, but I, I do, I do appreciate when, when circumstances bring out the best in people rather than the worst in them. Yeah. Like that, that is that is a really really encouraging piece of hope there man like i uh i i i can't i can't even imagine the the logistical details of just trying to find a way to stay afloat you know like i'm i i consider myself very lucky and very blessed that i get to stay employed that i'm still getting a paycheck even with all this stuff going on like there's a lot of people that aren't and there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out ways to make ends meet there are there are people. Have you heard of this thing called OnlyFans? No, I haven't. Okay, don't get into it. Just, <laughs> just don't. There, there, there are people that I know or people that I know of that are taking um, risque photos, and what? and they're they're putting them on what they call an OnlyFans account, so that people will pay for their content. And like the more risque they are, the the more patrons they receive. Okay and, then. And for some people, that's how they're paying their bills. Which wow. is just it's really really weird that that is where we've gotten to. Like it's not it's not necessarily like you know you've got a Pornhub account or something like that. <laughs> But that's what people have resorted to is like people who, you know, are probably decent looking, but they don't 
they don't get to be dog walkers or whatever, you know, because their their particular industry isn't considered essential and they, they, they don't have anything else that they can do. And that's what they're doing to make ends meet. And it's just it's weird. But society like I mean, obviously, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. But I just feel weird that that's the invention that we've resorted to. You know, it is crazy. But, you know, this is a crazy time. It's bringing out the good in people, but it's also bringing out the crazy. <laughs> uh, that's true. That is very true. Thankfully, there haven't been very many crazy people on the roads. It's mostly truck drivers, like semi-trucks and stuff that I'm seeing on the highways. So a big shout-out to all of them keeping the deliveries going, and a big shout-out to all the people that are working in food industries and healthcare industries and uh, grocery industries, markets and, and grocery stores and Walmarts and the like. I mean – there's there's a lot of people that are out there on the front lines risking their health, risking their family's health in order to make sure that society keeps moving. And y'all are the real MVPs. No, just go and keep on moving, survive, and uh, hopefully help out wherever we can with other people. Very true, man. Very true. Well, a reminder to go find us on social media if you're so inclined you can find me at Zach the Voice. If you're going on Instagram, you got to put a period between Zach and the Voice. But otherwise, Facebook, Twitter, uh, just Z A C H the Voice. Um, our friend Jake wasn't feeling so well, apparently, uh, well enough to do an Instagram live feed, but not enough to be on here. So, go find him on Instagram. We're not taking it personally or anything. Oh, oh no, not at all. I'm not salty in the least. But go, go find him on Instagram at Jake W. Damon and give him a hard time anyways. And uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter at just Jake Damon. And uh, Mr. Mr. Hart, where can the folks at home keep up with what you're doing? They can find me at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, uh, of course, go go follow the Star Wars of the World. You, you, you heard us talking about our 10th anniversary, and we did a... 10th anniversary show um, this past week. A new podcast is up right now on the feeds and on StarWarsInTheWorld.com. It was really a lot of fun. Quite hilarious. Got got to tell some stories about the origins of the underworld that uh, I never told before. One one in particular that involved uh, my family and me keeping secrets and being very stupid and, and uh, secretive about things to do with the underworld. Um, so uh, very interesting stuff. Very very dumb and very funny um and also dominic talked about having a dream that was really weird and really hilarious so yeah it was an all over the place episode i think it was like three hours long <laughs> it was fun so, you like uh, this. yeah exactly just like this <laughs> just three hours of craziness so yeah go check that out and uh yeah this has been fun it has been fun, and we're looking forward to having more fun on next week's episode. I think we're going to be doing a review of a certain film that's made its way onto Disney Plus next week. Am I correct? Ooh, I believe so, and I'm really looking forward to it because I've been waiting to watch that movie for a while, and I didn't have to go to the theater to watch it. Yeah, I'm kicking myself in the butt for watching it in the theater because, you know, I could have just waited a few weeks, apparently, thanks to this killer virus. And just watch it on the streaming service that I have the subscription to. But anyways, if you can read between the lines, you'll be able to figure out what it is we're talking about. But be sure to follow us on IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the uh, preview post and the confirmation of what it is that we'll be talking about next week. And we will see you 
next week uh, right here on channel1138.com or wherever the IPC podcast is found. But that's going to do it for tonight. Episode 279 of the IPC podcast is now officially in the books. For Ben Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until then, we just want to leave you with this final thought. You can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. We hope to run into all you loyal listeners next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Thank you.